0: Life is back on, sports bettors, and BetUS has your NBA, NHL, UFC, PGA, and, yes, NFL betting lines up for their 27th year and live betting on all of it. Log in to BetUS.com or call 800-729-3887. That's 800-729-BETUS. BetUS BetUS for 125% bonuses with promo code JONES22. Customer service pros are ready to get your phone and social and online sports betting kickoff started now. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry, BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. You can also use the promo code JONES22 with crypto for a 200% bonus. That's BetUS.com. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you, so glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by MLB.com's Jordan Wolf. The University of Kansas alum will join us, as we will... Go around the MLB with Jordan and have really our first extensive look at how things stand in Major League Baseball coming up in just a little while from right now. Also, we'll have Coach Bo's football fix presented by our counter advisory group, our Big 12 breakdown, a look at the NBA finals, and our Tom Fullery story of the week at the end of the show as well. Coach Bo is here with me for the entirety of today's show as. Thomas Bridges is out sick this week. Best uh, wishes to him, and uh, hopefully we uh, get him back here next week. But in the meantime, appreciate Bo filling in and uh, helping us out and enjoying us uh, another week here on the uh, Jones Report. Bo, always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend, and I'm glad to talk to you a little longer today.
1: Hey, man, this is I have so much fun when I come on this show. Thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate being here. I'm sorry Thomas is sick, but uh, I'm happy to keep the seat warm as always
0: you know I uh I'm not gonna speculate how Tom got <laughs> sick but I, I will just say that uh he was a good friend and took me out for my birthday on Sunday nights and we may have had a little too much fun so I don't know if he's still recovering from the time that we had but nonetheless it was a, a good time and I appreciate Tom and and it was a, a good visit back home to T Town for my uh, 26th birthday, Bo. I'm getting old.
1: <laughs> Add 20 to yours and you'll, you'll give it to me. So, <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about old later. Um, no, yeah, I, I hope he's doing okay. I'm sure he is. It's just, uh, you know, it, it all hits us differently.
0: Right. I felt great. I, uh, Went out the (laughs) next day, and I drove back to Dallas. I I was fine. Tom, eh, maybe not so much.
1: I can see how Tom would go hard in the paint. You know, I have not had the occasion to go out with Tom, and I'd love to. I absolutely want to. We're going to make this work sooner than later. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think it's going to – Me,
0: you, Tom, uh, and Vegas. Who says no?
1: I'm in. I'm in. The wife may not like it. Actually, I was just talking to a buddy of mine. He was, and he keeps telling me he wants, let's go to Vegas for a week. Let's go. And my, I talk to my wife about, it. she's like, go ahead. I don't care. I got the coolest wife when it comes to like that. And she doesn't care. It's like, go, no, you know what? She, she has a lot of trust in me. I have a lot of trust in her. And I'm a pretty relatively easygoing guy about stuff. So,
0: right. Yeah. That's great. Uh, speaking of, uh, you know, the, the weekend, I got to thank everybody for all the birthday wishes. Uh, it's certainly overwhelming. And, uh, does not go unnoticed. I uh, certainly appreciate that. All the people that reached out from everywhere as we officially got the Summer of Jones started this uh, past weekend. And, and, uh, and also on the Tulsa front too, thinking of everybody uh, with the shooting that occurred uh, on Wednesday night, uh, St. Francis hospital, I have friends that work there. They are accounted for, they are okay. And uh, it's just unfortunate. And we're, we're seeing these things happen more and more, you know, with, uh, you know, Buffalo a couple of weeks ago to uh, the you know, incident right here where I live now in the state of Texas. Uh, you know, they, it's, it's just so sad. And, and, you know, we, we can't say enough, you know, about these situations and, um, you know, I'm not going to go into the politics of it or anything like that, but, you know, my, my thoughts and are, are with these families and certainly thinking of them and, and, you know, a city like Tulsa, this isn't who we are. You never think those things would happen, where you're from or where you grow up, but it only takes one uh, for that to be the case. So certainly thinking of those there in Tulsa at this time that are going through that, but nonetheless, uh, with the, uh, with the summer Jones this week, Bo, I'm headed to Chicago, a place I've only been once before. I've been to the O'Hare and the Midway airports many times connecting flights, but this is like only my, my second time actually in the city itself. I'm going to Wrigley for the first time, this weekend, Bo, I'm going to catch a Cubs-Cardinals doubleheader. What do I need to know about my first experience going to Wrigley here, Bo?
1: Wrigley, to me, uh, you know I'm a Boston Red Sox guy. Wrigley, to me, is right up there at Fenway Park. There is, It's a very unique experience. It's a blast. I love, love Wrigley. I love Wrigleyville. You're doing it the right way. A doubleheader on a Saturday playing the Cardinals. You know, the Cardinals. It's a rivalry. Cubs fans don't like the Cardinals, and um, you will have a blast. What you need to know is, do not drive. There is no reason to drive. I, I'm one of the believe You don't have to drive anywhere in Chicago. Yeah. But do not drive to Wrigleyville. There's no reason. There's no place to park, and you just the, the train takes you right to the stadium. I mean, you're a blo- You walk a block and a half, basically. Uh, lots of bars, lots of restaurants, lots of fun things to do. You will literally be there all night. I mean, you'll get there for the game, go to the game, spend at least one game in the bleachers, drink old style beer, have a great time. Enjoy the summer of Jones. Wrigley is a great way to start. I absolutely love Wrigley field. Even if the Cubs don't win, it's fun. Uh, It's even more fun when they do win and, you're going to be amongst a lot of baseball fans. And then a lot of people are just going to be there having a good time. So it's in many ways, it's like a mini, it's like a baseball version of spring break. Okay. Think of it that way.
0: I like that. Yeah. My extended family, Bo, they're all a bunch of Cardinal fans. And the the reason why, even though Cardinal fans, and I say this in a family with a lot of them, Annoy the hell out of me, yeah, uh, you know. I, I mean, as as a Royals guy, it's not even the fact that there's a rivalry. It's just the fact that Cardinal fans think they're the smartest people in the room and that they know everything about baseball. It just drives me batting drives me, you know, crazy. Yeah. And so, going to Wrigley this weekend, I don't have a dog in the fight necessarily. I'm there to have a good time. In all honesty. I think at least one of those two games, I want to see the Cubs win. I want to see what it's like with the go Cubs go and everything there.
1: Yeah, they'll fly the W (laughs) and you've seen Go Cubs go. And yeah, I root for the Cubs both times. Look, the Cubs aren't a very good team right now. They're just not. But and the Cardinals are a very good team right now. But uh, man, it's gonna be you're gonna have a blast. It's you know, I I agree with you on your sentiment about Cardinals fans, and they call themselves the best fans in baseball. They call themselves that. Yes. yes. There's a lot of people who disagree. And it's because they do the things like applauding for the ground out that moves the runner over and (laughs) like that. Um, St. Louis is so overrated as far as a city anyway. I mean, their claim of fame is Emo's pizza and toasted ravioli. Emo's is garbage. I mean, come on. Worst pizza I've ever had. I'd rather have like those. Those cheap Totinos, one ninety nine, you pop, pop in your freaking oven in your dorm room.
0: How can uh, anyone mean,
1: find just, Emos appetizing? I it was, I had a buddy that I worked with years ago, and he was from St. Louis, and uh, we worked in Kansas City. We worked in Overland Park together, and when Emos opened, they have one like in the south part of O. P. He was like, hey, let's go over to Emo's for lunch. It was relatively easy to get to from our office, about a six, seven-minute drive. So we're like, okay, I'll go. You know, I'll try anything. That Provel cheese made me sick. And then I was like, okay, just it, – it wasn't terrible. Like, for, like, it, it tasted okay. Like, the toppings were good. The crust was fine. But that Provel cheese did not sit well with me. So then, like, two or three months later, we were going to watch the NCAA tournaments, one of those Thursday, Friday kind of things, you know All right? So the cops like, let's go to Emo's. We'll get a table. We'll get a couple pizzas. We'll sit there for a couple hours. Because We were like, you know, we can get away with that. It's like, all right, cool. And I go, same thing. Except it was just terrible the second time. I just, I will not eat that pizza ever again. And then toasted ravioli. What? some guy just took ravioli and threw it in a goddamn fryer. I mean, how hard is that? It's like he invented buffalo wings. I mean, <laughs> no, it in St. Louis, there's no atmosphere. The only thing that St. Louis is calling card. that's actually good is Budweiser. And the older I'm getting, the more I think I prefer Boulevard to Budweiser at times.
0: Oh, I'll take Boulevard over Budweiser. I'll anyway. take a
1: Boulevard wheat sometimes over. Now, a really extra cold. Boulevard wheat
0: might be my favorite beer.
1: Now, see, I grew up a Budweiser guy, and if it's really, if it's ice cold in a bottle or a can, I'll go Budweiser. But it's got to be cold. If not, no, it's give me a boulevard wheat, I'm good. I,
0: I feel like I've said this for a while, and I'll reiterate this, Paul. That the two main beers of Kansas City and St. Louis represent those cities so well. And you have boulevard wheat, which has flavor, you know, maybe it's not necessarily advertised, but it's a hidden gem of sorts, kind of like Kansas City, St. Louis. Everybody knows about St. Louis Budweiser, big name brand, but it's kind of just, eh. You know, it's it's the the has been the old guy. Uh, yeah. I think their beers are representative of who they are, and Kansas City has the superior
1: beer. I I, I like Budweiser more than Boulevard Wheat when it's cold, but that's at, a hot take. When it's cold, I mean, that's, I'll take that. But but at the same time, like I used to be like that was my beer, but now it's not anymore. I, I can drink whatever is kind of. <laughs> I'll drink. I'll try some different stuff. Now, um, but what I will Chicago, say about St. Louis: St. Louis has got little brother syndrome. So little yes. they, St. Louis thinks they're Chicago, and they are nothing like Chicago. Chicago has atmosphere and history, and there's so much cool shit about Chicago. St. Louis sucks, <laughs> and so because they feel inferior to Chicago, they try to be like overbearing to people from Kansas City, when actually Kansas City's smaller but a lot cooler. Right. I mean, yeah. it's just, they got, they got a cool looking ballpark downtown. Bush stadium's nice.
0: I like Bush I, better than Kaufman, but that's all. I'll give
1: I, I mean, Yeah. I, I'm not a big fan of Kaufman state, um, but I do. Um, and I went to, I think it's uh, the city, um, city museum in St. Louis. Yes. Very cool. Other than that, I don't have a whole lot of use for St. Louis. There's a reason they couldn't keep an NFL team.
0: Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, Chicago, I know that I've only been in the city one time, but yeah. comparatively speaking to St. Louis, that is an elite food town. Oh, yes. Top, I am going three. to settle once and for all, Bo, the age-old debate of Gio Dados versus Lou Motlinati's and Lou Malinati's uh, might already be off to a head start because they eat, they uh, direct messaged me and offered me some coupons for when I go to uh, Lou Mal- Malinati's this weekend. But uh, I- I'm going to go with no bias involved. I just want to have some good deep dish pizza. I enjoyed yeah. my experience at Giordano's the last time I was there. I haven't had Lou Malinati's before. I'll try them both and see what happens. Uh, yeah. The best burger I ever had was also in Chicago, too, a place... Uh, by the name of uh, uh, All Cheval is what it's called. And I sent Bo a picture of it. It's got like an egg and bacon on it, very thick bacon. Uh, I mean, I might gain 20 pounds this weekend, but you know what? It'll be worth it.
1: It is very easy to put on weight in Chicago. Um, To me, Chicago is one of those three cities in America where food is just excellent. New York is one of them. Chicago's one. New Orleans is the other. And if I had to rank them to me, it's new Orleans, Chicago, uh, New York. Um, I, you talking about that burger place, there is literally like a thousand bars in Chicago that have food like that. They have just different atmospheres. There are dive bars everywhere. You will find something cool to do. I, I love Chicago. You're going to have a great time.
0: Yeah. I'm excited about both. Should be a fun weekend there in Chicago. My buddy, Nick cousin, uh, just TV and Fargo. He's been on this show before. He'll be out there, and we'll uh, certainly have a good time. Hey, uh, oh, good. Well,
1: uh, I was going to tell you. So the, you were talking about Giordano's and Lou Malnati's. Yes. So you can't go wrong either way. They're both just incredible. Okay. Um, I'm a Malnati's guy myself. If I, if I had to choose, have my druthers, I'll take Lou Malnati's. Yeah. Uh, but I love Giordano's as well. Um, I was at Lou Malnati's in October, with buddies, and they have a it's called um basically a crustless pizza tyler okay. you like this okay the crust is sausage Ooh, yes we got both a regular pizza and one of the other i think they call it, they call it gluten-free but it right. the, the crust is not a crust it's sausage it was great uh, it was it was so different and it was really good um mm. Giordano's didn't have anything like that, but I had Giordano's and I was in Chicago in March. It was incredible. Yeah, just, you can't go wrong either way. Enjoy them both. Okay. Yeah,
0: I'll make the most of it and uh, certainly have a good time. Now, yeah. Bo, I, I, I got to tell you too. You know, we're, we're, we're doing this summer of Jones again. People are catching on, and already. I don't even have to promote it anymore. People are tweeting at me, you know, about every day about this. Yeah, at this point, you know that they're excited about the Summer Jones or whatever. Bo, we got to get you involved. We we need to stop Bo a yeah. part of this. You know, Bo I, takes over the Summer of Jones in the city.
1: I need to. We we'll need to figure out a time where I meet you somewhere and just go somewhere for a weekend.
0: And we just we put you in charge. You call the shots.
1: Oh man! And make it happen. Let's figure something out. I know that I'm going to Colorado in july maybe we'll talk about something there
0: okay the mountains are blue
1: my my co-host will be there ellen lincoln will be there hey there we go chance to meet ellen in person finally that'd be great because i'll be hanging out with ellen and uncle rico from my show from the from the coach bono's podcast and i gotta go for a for a conference for three or four days so i'm gonna stay for a couple of days go to Rockies game play golf all that good stuff okay Hmm. And maybe we'll ask ellen and uncle rico take us around denver
0: i like that idea that'd be great
1: well, uh, before we move on to the business
0: of the day, talk about the NBA finals and all that, I got to ask you, uh, are you having a better day than Amber Heard?
1: <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> <All> right, so <laughs> I, I, let me say this first off. I it, It's a tricky situation on this. Now, one, I'm happy for Johnny Depp. I am. I'm happy because he, he threw, look, he, you, you get that thrown on you. Any kind of domestic dispute, especially a famous person, it is a, it's a scarlet letter that you hardly ever get rid of, right? whether it's true or not. Now, I will say, I don't think the majority of cases are untrue. I think it was most accused people in those cases are usually guilty. Um, I was glad he was able to defend himself and somewhat successfully here, but I don't want it to be where men, particularly you know, someone like myself, would stand up and say, We'll see this as a lot of bullshit, you know, and these cases are all, you know, these are all going out of, getting out of control. Look, this is a kind of a unique situation, clearly. Yeah. And so we should still listen to women when it comes to domestic violence and these sort of things. We should still listen to those voices and, and allow our judicial system to do the things they have to do. In this case, decided with Johnny Depp. And from what it seemed like, I didn't watch every day. I, I watched the highlights like everybody else did. It seemed like the right, the right conclusion was made.
0: Right. You know, th- there was this whole mantra that was out there of the believe all women. Right. And I'm with you, Bo, to the idea of, for the most part, yes, but we have to let the legal process do its job, what it's invented, what it is designed for. Yeah. And, There's always going to be bad people in the world on either gender, either one that will do things that are morally wrong. And, you know, I applaud our legal system, you know, to an extent here because you look back in the UK, Johnny Depp tried the same thing and it didn't work in the U S our legal system took the time to get this right. Where, yeah. The libel laws and all that are actually harder than they are to go through in, in the UK and uh, to get this verdict and, and, and such. Uh, I was I was a bit surprised, uh, quite frankly, that it went the way that it did for for Johnny Depp or the way that this concluded compared to where it started and all this pretty bizarre uh, you know, trial here in the last few weeks. It was. Yeah,
1: it was very bizarre. I, I echo your sentiment there is that, you know, again, we should listen to women we should listen to those who are accusing and we and we should make sure they're safe right you know through this through the legal process um you know and i think that you know in this case i think it was the, the best thing about this to me the funniest part about this to me was just it seemed like every single day we had a new meme a new video the internet went
0: undefeated during undefeated
1: trial. on this one i mean just incredible and I just wonder, some of these people, what the hell they're thinking when they say things. I, I've been married for 23 years. It's my 23rd anniversary. Um, and, you know, you get in arguments, you get mad. Maybe you say something. But I ain't never said some shit like these two have said to each other. I have never, ever considered sitting in the bed. You know, what the hell is that? I just things like that that this 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 woman did. I hey look, I kind of get where he's coming from. If she's that crazy, just get out of here. I mean, so
0: maybe my favorite meme of all of you—you you talk about the internet winning this—was the picture that shows Johnny Depp him describing, and that's when I noticed that she had left a pile. Of uh, you know fecal matter on the bed, yeah, and then people show pictures of beds, and I keep seeing like their rival teams, like yes. that, like a Raiders bed,
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> or, or in your yeah. case, I guess like a New York Yankees bed, Yankees or something bed. Like that. yeah, that yeah. that joke and is back. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. It's it's unbelievable this this whole situation, and, and I I'm here for it on this one because I mean. You know, he's a multi-multi-millionaire. I'm glad he cleared his name. I am very happy he got to clear his name through this. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I'm just laughing my ass off of the whole situation. You yeah. know, um, the whole thing about he got her her big break of being in the Aquaman movie, right. they did that for him. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, come on, man. This...
0: Oh, now all these petitions out there for her to be removed from Aquaman 2.
1: Yeah. What it didn't look like her co star had a whole lot of nice things to say about her. Either. And we learned a thing
0: or two about Elon Musk and all this as well. Yeah.
1: You know, the world's richest man doesn't really have a lot of class, what it sounds like. I, I'm not a fan of his. There's things about him I'm a fan of, things I'm not a fan of about him. Not. But he, uh, yeah, we learned some things about this dude. Right? We learned some
0: things about a lot of things. This, yeah, we did. A very revealing
1: trial. I love, I love that there's no harm, no foul in this. Like we can we, we can have fun with this because in the end, no one's really harmed. Right. I mean, yeah, she's gonna have to pay him like eight million bucks. Fifteen. Well, they I thought it was ten plus he owes her two, and then part of it was dropped from five to three hundred and fifty thousand was the state law in Virginia. We'll but see I how it plays
0: out. but yeah, I saw
1: that on the news earlier. I was watching
0: it. Earlier. Yeah, it's not going to be cheap. I know that. My... No,
1: I mean, but $8 million is no – yeah, I mean, he, she better – I don't know, she might, be, she might be doing porn in a few weeks. Who knows? Amber Heard's going to have an only fans.
0: Yeah, and she'll uh – I'm sure she'll get some strange requests.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh, anyways, moving on. Before we say something we regret, the NBA Finals starts tonight. Yes. Thursday night between the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics. And we have a very intriguing series on our hands here. You know, when we've talked about the Golden State Warriors in the finals in years past, sometimes it seems like it's been over before it started, especially in that KD era that he was there in golden state but now this is a really good matchup that i could see going either way um the smart guys out in vegas have the warriors as the favorites at minus 155 the nerds at espn and the basketball power index give the celtics the favorite they're the favorite score to them at about 60 40 is uh is the percentage that they have there so pretty close either direction yeah. Of who you like. And, you know, I would say that the Warriors have played better basketball as of late. They've impressed me more in this playoff run than what I've seen from the Boston Celtics. But the Celtics are playing really good in their own right here. I mean, when you look at the talent on paper as well, Clay, Steph, Draymond, Jordan Poole and company, I think the Warriors are a more talented team. But with the Celtics, you have a team that I think presents some potential matchup problems for the Warriors. What are they going to do about Al Horford? What if Marcus Smart is able to shut down Steph or Clay, you know, pick his poison essentially to me, there's some things here that could give the Warriors some real issues. I like the Warriors in this series. Ultimately, I think that they get it done in six or seven, but this is going to take quite a coaching job from Steve Kerr because the 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 Celtics present some challenges that I don't think the Warriors have faced so far at this point, like what they're about to see here in this Celtics team.
1: I agree with a lot of what you said there. Um, this is a great match. This is two completely different foul teams. Mm-hmm. The Warriors are older, you know. Yeah. The Warriors are an old team. Um, you know, Steph is not Steph he was a couple of years ago, and. And he can still shoot the lights out and, and those sort of things. But, you know, his legs get tired and he plays 40 minutes and 42 minutes and, and on up Draymond's, you know, still, he, he has not played the whole season and he's still got some things to do. Have a, a you know, Clay Thompson's playing well. They have, um, Oh, the younger guy, uh, the KU kid, um, I can't believe his name. Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins. Yep. And they have Andrew Wiggins, which gives them a really nice change of pace. They need Wiggins in this series, big time. Yes. In my view. Because they're going to need somebody who can get to the rack. And they're going to need someone who can be active moving the, moving the Celtics around. The Warriors, when they shoot at a high percentage, are not beatable right now. Mm-hmm. They're not going to lose. But if they're not shooting at a high percentage, the Celtics are going to make them earn every- every single bucket. And that's the one thing I've said on my pod. I think the I loved the Celtics heat matchup. I said it was the two teams that I thought were the most, the most reliant on coaching because they don't have that one super star. They don't have step. Uh You can talk about some of those top three or four guys that the Celtics do have. See, um,
0: I, I disagree on that front. I think Jason Tatum is one of the top five well, players in the league, right?
1: I think Jason Tatum is just just near the tippy top. I don't think he's LeBron and KD. He he absolutely can be there. If they win this, he might be. Um, but I don't think he's the guy who can go out and win it by himself. I love what the Celtics have done. They've taken Jason Tatum and said, we're going to treat him like he's our star, and we're going to build this team around him, And they've built the team around him that's really good defensively. They don't take bad shots. They make you earn your buckets, and they get buckets. I think the Celtics can win this series. I don't think they will. I think the Warriors, the Warriors, are going to shoot well for four out of seven games. You know, if it was a shorter series, I would lean toward the Celtics. Uh, But I think the fact that you know that the Warriors are going to shoot well in four games. The Warriors, if I am the Warriors, I want to get it done in six because I don't want to play a game seven in Boston.
0: It would be San Francisco. Golden State's got a home I thought
1: the, the Celtics were the, the higher seed. No, no, San Francisco. Uh, uh, Golden State's me, got sorry. the better
0: record. Okay, um, no, I'm sorry.
1: I was told differently. So here,
0: here's something else, something to think about too, as far as the home and the way stuff goes. Under Steve Kerr, I just found this out today. This is fascinating the Warriors in every single playoff series have won at least one road game in every series. Mm-hmm. And so if you're the Celtics, here's something to think about. Not only do you have to defend your home court and you would have to steal one in them. San Francisco anyway just to win the series, but you probably have to win two games in San Francisco based on the track record of golden state being historically speaking, the best team on the road in the NBA under Steve Kerr. I mean, that is a, a tough challenge. And now we we've seen it done before. We saw what the Raptors did a couple of years ago. The Cavaliers did it a few years ago with LeBron and company winning a game seven there in the Bay area. I mean, it, it has been done before, but that is no easy task to, tried to slow down this great Golden State Warriors team four times in a seven-game stretch.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I, I I swear I thought it was backwards, and obviously I was wrong. But, uh, yeah, I think that you're spot on with the Celtics are going to have to sneak. One, they're going to have to win when either game is one or two. I mean, obviously you always want to get that. But then when you go home, you got to defend the home court. We know the Warriors probably will grab one. So you got to go back. And Game Five and Game, it's going to be the pivotal game. I mean, it, yeah, I mean if Celtics are going to have to steal two somehow, some way, I don't know. Again, I just don't think you're going to keep the Warriors from shooting well four times in seven games, and that, that's the whole secret to me. Is the Celtics are going to have to make them earn every single bucket, and and they will, and they'll be the the Warriors will have some success. And they'll have a game where they're going to absolutely shoot the bed because they're going to shoot, you know, 18% from the three-point line. And they're going to get blown out in one game. Right. it's going to happen. But it's not going to happen four times.
0: One thing I'll say about this series, too, um, you know, especially as somebody that's an Oklahoma-Pacific Thunder fan like myself, I have been as annoyed as anybody to see the Warriors continue to be good, especially with the Kevin Durant situation and all that. But one side, one sign I would point to of the direction of the league heading in the right space right now, both these teams lost all star players in free agency recently. The Celtics with Kyrie, the Warriors with Kevin Durant, and they rebounded nicely. They recovered. Both teams are just fine. I mean, obviously they're here. The Celtics. I mean, it was, it was better for them that they moved on from Kyrie Irving. Oh, yeah. And where they're at as a team now. They are a better team than what they were with having Kyrie Irving there. With the Warriors, you know, it, it took a while for them to figure things out and all the injuries they went through. But here they are again. To me, that's a good sign of the state of the league where things are headed if both teams can lose star free agents and still find themselves back in this position.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, – I agree with you. I think the Warriors probably would have been here a little earlier had Steph not held some of the stuff he had going on last two seasons, some of the injuries. Um, um, no, I think it's a great point of, yeah, you lose Durant. You know, the Celtics lose Kyrie Irving. But it goes – Look to at so the
0: Nets right now, too. What a dumpster. Yeah, and line. look at the
1: Nets. They're, just, they're trash. I mean, they should be incredible. And they're and, – I mean, it goes to so show that you – You can try to build a team, but you still got to go out there and win it. And there are very few teams that are well-coached in the NBA. You know, I think the Celtics are very well-coached. I think the Heat were very well-coached. I think Curry is a great coach and maybe the best coach in the West. And I think that means something when you don't have the tippy-top best player. You know, Steph Curry has been the best player. He's been one of the top two, three players in the league for a long time. But he is not that same guy now. He's just a few years old, a couple steps slower. But they get out, they outcoach people a lot of times, and they out-shoot people. I, I like both these teams. This should be a really great series. And, and I think it's a good thing for the NBA that it's not Kevin Durant versus LeBron James. Yes. And I think the reason being is that where is that going to be in two years, in three years? LeBron will be retired. Kevin Durant, I think, is one of the most unlikable superstars in all of sports. I mean, he is my least favorite superstar in all of sports. Yes. I think he's one of the most overrated players I've ever seen. And, mm-hmm. I, and I'll continue to say that just because yeah, he's great. His skill set's phenomenal. But he's not a winner. No. No, I mean, he had to go join with a super team to get his ring. And he was great, and he was the best player on those teams, no doubt. And he is an incredible, maybe a top 10, 12 player all time. Maybe. But I would predict right now Kevin Durant's not going to win another ring. He's just not a guy who you can build a team around. Not without another superstar that can be the actual glue. Kyrie's not the glue. He wants to be the guy. right. You know, Steph was willing to humble himself and make it seem like it was Durant's team when it was Steph's team all along. Sort of the Dwayne Wade rule.
0: Yes, exactly like
1: Dwayne Wade. Yeah. I mean, that's that was – yeah. I, it's so, I mean, I, I I don't think there's any losers in this. I, I'm, I, I'm going to root for the Celtics, but I won't be upset if the Warriors win. And I – I think it says a lot about these two franchises. I mean, look what the Warriors also did on going to get some bit, some younger pieces to put on the court. You know, they got old and they let some of those pieces go and they got young again in certain spots. You know, going to get Andrew Wiggins was a coup for them. And the Celtics just went and got defensive players and guys who can get buckets.
0: To me, I think that the most important player in this series is Marcus Smart.
1: I agree 100%. If Marcus Smart,
0: if they come up with a good game plan where he can shut down, whether it's Steph or Clay, you know, one of the two, five nights, they win. They win the series. I mean, and that's what he brings to the table. It reminds me how how good Marcus Smart is as a defender and what he can do. It's like in baseball when you are facing a, you know, Cy Young caliber pitcher that you know, okay, man, we're going to go through seven innings. Hopefully we can get a run or two, get on the board. And then when they go to their bullpen, that we have a shot to win. I mean, that's what it is when you face Marcus Smart of what he can do. He is going to shut you down. And you just have to hope that everyone else can get theirs when he shuts the player down that he defends. To me, that's how crucial, how important Marcus Smart is.
1: I 100% agree. I just think that, yeah, I think if if Marcus Smart out there and D's it up for five games on Curry and holds him to a low shooting percentage, that is the Celtics' key. I a hundred percent agree.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I think, uh, I think so. It'll be uh, a lot of fun to see how all this, uh, this plays out this, this week. I I told you that uh, I lean towards the Warriors. I'm going to go Bo Warriors in seven in this series. I want to be wrong. I'm going to be rooting on the Celtics, but I'm leaning towards that. We see the Warriors in seven, that Marcus Smart slows down those guys to an extent, but ultimately, too many shooters. Andrew Wiggins can get hot at any time. Jordan Poole can get hot at any time. Draymond, Clay, Steph. I mean, to me, it, it, there's just too many options. You can't stop everybody on this Warriors team. That's why I got the Warriors ultimately winning it all.
1: I agree. Um, I think that stopping the shooters is to me the whole key. The Warriors find if the Celtics can find a way, make up. I mean, just make the Warriors earn it every single bucket. No quick jump out three bang kind of thing. Don't get don't let them get any momentum. That's the only chance the Celtics have. It's the best chance the Celtics have. Yeah, I, I I like the Warriors here in seven. If for some reason, if the Celtics can win one in San Francisco and then hold. And win games three and four at home, then I do think it turns to the Celtics side. But that's winning three out of the first four. I mean, that's a lot to ask. Mm-hmm. So, but otherwise, yeah, I think it's be hard to hard to stop those shooters four times in seven games.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Marcus Smart, the guy watching for for the Celtics. Andrew Wiggins, the guy watching for for Golden State. Yeah. And, and for me, what's intriguing about both these guys, what you could say about both mm-hmm. of them is that you would never want either one bowl to be your number one or number two option, but they are hella effective as that number three, in two completely different ways. Yeah. Wiggins has a score smart as a defensive player, you know, defensive stopper, yeah. you know, the, the, these championships are, are not just about your number one and your number two. Two guys,
1: yeah, I but agree. who
0: steps up around them is going to be it is so crucial. That's how championships are won.
1: Yeah, I mean, look at LeBron and AD are at home right now. They didn't even make the playoffs. I mean, it's not about just two gang two guys and a whole bunch of runnings. It's about building the team. And you look at the history at the of the Sunday. finals.
0: Some of these champions think about like you know here in Dallas, the 2011 Mavericks team does not win it without JJ Barea who. Probably half the country did not even know before that NBA playoffs began. Um, you know those, those Heat championship teams. You Haslam was huge for them. Um, I mean, you, you, you go on down the line. I mean, uh, you know, Jr. Smith came in clutch for the the Cavaliers years ago. I mean, the, the the number three, number four guys down the roster. You know who who who's going to show up? What what about Danny Green? What he did all those years for, for the Spurs. Danny yeah. Green has not been that great of a player his entire career, in all honesty. But Danny Green knows how to, you know, flip the switch when it was playoff time there in San Antonio. You have to have those X Factor players come through. And for me, it's Marcus Smart or Andrew Wiggins, whoever has the better series uh, is going to win it all between those two players, I think.
1: Well, another example of that is coaching one of these teams. And that's Steve Kerr. Yeah. I mean, the, the Bulls aren't the Bulls without Kerr and Paxton those times they had these guys, mm-hmm. you know. And Yeah, I mean, you have to be more than just two guys deep.
0: Yeah. Um, finals MVP, I, I would assume it would be Steph. Um, if the Warriors win it, if it's uh, – if the Celtics win it, I would assume it's going to be Jason Tatum. I, I think that you would you would expect your best players to – be the ones that ultimately lead it, you know, get it done one or the other. That's, that's what I would lean towards, Bo. Uh, is there somebody different that you would you would name as far as being an MVP candidate for it?
1: No, I think you're 100% right there. I think because it's a series, seven-game series, you're not going to have the guy who, you know, like in a Super Bowl, you could be an MVP because you're the one big game.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, you're not going to see Marcus Smart go out there, pull Curry to 10 points in one game. And then he becomes MVP. And if he does it for four games, then yeah, I can see Mark Smart being in it, but that's not likely to happen. It, it your superstar should be the guy yeah. that leads you to the championship in the finals.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If
1: I was gonna bet, I'd take I would take Steph, I would take Tatum. Yeah, I mean, it's there's nobody that's gonna go out there and get you for 30 a night than those two guys. Yeah.
0: We will uh, have more to come here on the Jones Report. Next up, Jordan Wolf is here to talk baseball with us as we'll go around the major leagues later on. We'll have Coach football Fix presented by Alcana Advisory Group, as well as our Big 12 Breakdown and our Tom Fullery Story of the Week. We also have our draft season segment. This week, we are going to be drafting uh, sports movie characters, try to assemble the best. Roster, we can, and if Bo drafts Air Bud, I think he'll be disqualified. Uh, we'll uh, have that for you. All that more coming up next. Stay with us here at the Jones. Joining us now, on the Jones Support this week is an old friend who is back in the program for the first time in a long time. And we did a lot of radio together back in uh, Lawrence, and now he is uh working for MLB.com covering all 30 teams in Major League Baseball. He's an alum of the University of Kansas. Jordan Wolf is back on the program once again. Jordan, welcome back, my friend. Always good to uh, chat with you. And uh, I believe this is the first time we've talked since uh, our uh, great Kansas Jayhawks are national champions. So, uh, oh, yes, sure absolutely. I was going to bring that up. The last up. months oh. have been pretty good for you.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I was going to bring that up, man. It's It's a great great time to be a Kansas Jayhawk. Um, obviously, you know, like you said, we used to work a lot when, uh, we were in town back home. Um, but you know, in this era of zoom and stuff, we can kind of do it in any, you know, even if we're not, you know, 10 minutes down the road from each other. So I'm happy to be back on the, on the program, man. I'm excited to talk some baseball and some other yeah. stuff.
0: Yeah, certainly. And, uh, Jordan, uh, I'll be honest, uh, you know, for me, I, I start to shift gears and, not pay attention to baseball till we're towards the end of the NBA playoffs. Like we are right now, you know, in the finals. And so for, for guys like me that are just now catching up to speed, how would you describe the first two months of the season so far at this point?
2: Yeah, it's, it's been interesting, man. Um, You're seeing around the league in general offense down a lot, which is probably not a great thing to tell someone like you, who's not paying attention um, (laughs) in the early months, but uh, you know that might change it might just be some you know statistical anomaly the first couple of months you're seeing less offense but I think it's also kind of just a, a product of the way the game is played nowadays Um, I think you've probably heard plenty of allusions to it before but you know the the three true outcome style of baseball like the Yankees play where it's either you hit home run or you strike out or you walk um, and you know they'll put five power hitters at the top of the lineup and that's just how they play and you know sometimes they'll score nine runs in a game or you know, sometimes they, they won't hit any homers. And so that happens across the league. Um, and so typically when you're not as good as the Yankees that you, you, you hit less homers. Um, but in general, in terms of trends for the league this year, I mean, the real story is the two New York teams, the Mets and Yankees, they're the top teams in the league. Um, Of course, the Dodgers are, you know, the sleeping giant right now. Um, I say that they're, you know, atop the NL West, but they're before the year, everybody kind of assumed they would be the best team in the league. But the New York team's been playing pretty well. Uh, a lot of tight divisions around the league. And I mean, it's been a pretty interesting season so far. You've seen, you know, no hitters. You've seen some, some big home runs and um, you know, anytime that I think you have, you, I'm just looking at the standings here. There's some real close races here. And I think that's, you know, something good to, to, to have early in the year because it's always, especially for people like you, like you've said in me in the past of who get disinterested in baseball when you have these, Divisions where someone's up by you know thirty games in July—that's that's not that's not great for fan interest. So um, I think the game's in a really good point right now, and I'm I'm really excited to see how the rest of the summer plays out. Well, with that New York team dynamic with the Yankees and the Mets, the Mets are kind of
0: operating like the Yankees did of old, right? They're kind of right. taking on that that Steinbrenner approach, and the Yankees have been uh, obviously. I mean, the Yankees—they'll they'll still spend money, but. Oh uh i mean they have more homegrown talent than they've had in in a while
2: i would think right right oh and it's either homegrown talent or what i've seen people say in the past because you know people love to be like oh you know big market teams they just buy all their talent and you know it's true to an extent especially with the mets when you have steve cohen um who's willing to go out there and just outbid anybody like it's an ebay auction but the um it's it's funny because there's plenty of teams that are in small markets. So you don't think about it that have been good for like the last decade or so. Um, and so I think it's possible to succeed if you're not a big market right now, but you know, the Yankees, the Mets, the angels, there are these teams out here that can buy basically any player. And like I was saying, you know, some of these teams, like the Dodgers, you look at them, they obviously pay a bunch of money for all their players, but you know, you mentioned homegrown talent, the Dodgers are, are trading for these guys right? So they're developing young guys and then they're trading, they're giving up assets uh, to bring in these veterans versus, you know, you look at Trey Turner on the Dodgers. He was traded from the nationals. You know, they gave up a bunch of prospects for him versus, you know, the Mets, they just go out there and they just sign Max shirts and they don't have to give anything up for it. And so I think when it's something more natural, like kind of the way the Dodgers have done it, that can be a little easier for a kind of a casual fan to, I think, get behind. Whereas, you know, when it's something like Steve Cohen just going out there and spending $200 million because he wants, you know, a pitcher, Max Scherzer, then that can be a little more frustrating, I think, which is natural.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Uh, so far to this year, what would you say is the the big surprise of the season? What's kind of caught you off guard that you didn't expect? I know that you mentioned that the Dodgers are a sleeper of some sorts, but what's been some surprises that have stood out to you here?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest surprise for me, and it's, it's trailed off a little bit uh, more recently, but over the start of the season, the Angels are actually good. Um, it's funny because our whole lives, I uh, feel like the, you know, when I say lives, I mean, our, our adult lives, uh, Mike Trout's been, you know, the best player in baseball. And last year they're like, Hey, Shohei Otani. Now he's the new best player in baseball, but the Angels have always been horrible versus this year. They're 27 and 23 right now. Um, I mentioned they trailed off recently. They're three and seven in their last 10, which is not great, but um, the Angels get to the playoffs, man. I mean, they're not the knock on Trout for a while has always been that he can't win games. You know, he can't win the playoffs. The only time he's been in the playoffs, he got swept by the Royals. And so I think it'll be interesting to see if they can keep it up because if they get into the playoffs, having Otani, who can also pitch, you know, two or three times in a series, um, they're going to be just as dangerous as anybody, you know, even if they sneak into a wild card spot. And so they're a pretty big surprise. The twins are a pretty big surprise on top of the AL central although I think it's less of a surprise just because they showed they were aggressive, that they were going to go out and try to win games. They got Carlos Correa, they got Sonny Gray. Um, They've been a surprise. The AL East in general, I think would be the last surprise that I would say, just because um, we knew that there was going to be a lot of infighting. We knew that, you know, there's four great teams in this division, four playoff caliber teams and the Yankees have been great. The Blue Jays have been good, but you know, the Rays have only been a little bit above 500 and the Red Sox they're below 500 I think we all expected the Orioles to be under 500, but um, I just think that there's been between that and uh, between the way that a couple teams like the angels and twins have been playing. Um, I think it's been a really fascinating season, especially because, you know, I'm looking at the standing, there's not a whole lot of teams. There's a couple, like, you know, I expected Seattle to play well, but there's not a whole, whole lot of teams out there that are, are playing poorly um, p- worse than expectations. So that I think will be, will be fascinating down the stretch to see. Um, you know, if, if all of these teams have guys clicking, who's going to make the playoffs and who's not, because, you know, they expanded the playoffs, but they still, uh, they still, you know, there's still going to be some guys who are, who have their seasons ruined right at the end of the year.
0: Now, now, as far as uh, you mentioned the angels, uh, I, I went out to orange County, saw a play, and, you know, went mm-hmm. to that stadium for the first time this year. And, and, uh, you know, whether it's Otani and trout, you know, having this dynamic duo and I feel like, even though that they're in the LA market. And I mean, I, I guess, you know, to an extent, I mean, they're still in Orange County away from LA proper, mm-hmm. but even with that said, you know, the angels have been so bad that these guys have been so forgotten about, uh, you know, and, and I get part of it is playing on the West coast and late at night and such, mm-hmm. but it, it amazes me that we have not attached more to these two, especially with what, Tani is doing on a historic level and Trout is one of the best players of all time. And we're just now talking about them as a contender. I mean, why have the angels just now starting to figure it out? How has it taken this long for them to get to this point with these two?
2: Right. Um, I mean, I think the easiest answer is just pitching. I mean, they've never had pitching, you know, they've obviously had, you know, talented pitchers, you know, come through their organization, but they've never had pitching. Um, last year otani's historic season was trout was out for most of the year i mean this year's they've played together before because otani was here before last year but in terms of once otani took that leap and once trout has kind of established himself you know as the greatest player of, of this generation at least um once they got there that 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 that's this year the first time that they've been playing together and so um i think people obviously know mike trout has been you know the best player in la for half a decade if not longer and you know like you say it's interesting that we just kind of have let it happen and you know like you say part of that whole west coast thing plays into that you know pack 12 football you know nobody watches west coast games which i get but on top of all of that i mean like just having trout as the best player and, and 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 the face the angels being good is good for baseball because you're able to 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 parade around Mike Trout as the face of the league versus, you know, if they miss the playoffs again, I mean, imagine if LeBron James made the playoffs once in his NBA career, imagine if Tom Brady went to one playoffs as an NFL quarterback. I mean, it's, it's, it's unfathomable in any sport except for baseball, just because there's so many moving parts and so many cogs in baseball that you can't really blame the, the playoff success or failure on one guy. And so, I mean, I just think it's fascinating that he's stuck it out. Like, tip my cap to him. I think it's probably a little easier to stick it out in Los Angeles um, in uh, Orange County, like you say, rather than, you know, if he was playing for the for the Guardians or something. So, um, I mean, hey, I think the Angels, like I said, they're dangerous as anybody. If they get into the playoffs, let's just hope they don't choke before they get there because we've seen it before. Um, you know, they've certainly they're they're an interesting team. I mean, you saw all the stuff with the intentional walks a few weeks ago, right? Mm hmm. Joe madney intentionally walked a guy with the bases loaded, just the, the the equivalent of taking a safety in the first quarter of football. Right. Like it, it made no sense. I think it's happened like five times ever and like four of them are Barry Bonds. Right. <laughs> and so it makes sense in that sense. Not so much. I forget who they were facing. But um, yeah, I mean, if the Angels get to the playoffs, I'm excited to watch them play because like you say, they can. They I think it'll be good for the game of baseball to kind of have Trout and Otani in the playoffs. And and you know, captivating fans like that in games. Now,
0: now I I, I know you work for for the MLB, so uh, you know be 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 careful uh, as you may with uh, with what I say here going forward. How you respond, but you know the the MLB I, I don't hear you know as a as a casual walker watcher like myself. Where's the marketing for these guys? I mean <laughs> the the billboards, the social media attention. I mean, you brought up LeBron and company. Uh, you know, on, on the NBA side that. You know, mm-hmm. everyone's watching every single thing and knows what LeBron's doing each and every night. I mean, I couldn't tell you, in all honesty, what Mike Trout bat last night or the night before, the night before that. Like, I would have to go look it up. I mean, I'm not seeing those those highlights come on my Twitter feed or what awesome thing he did. I mean, how, how are they not marketing what they have so special between these two guys there in, in, in L.A.?
2: Right, yeah, and I mean, I I think part of it, um, you mentioned that at the end there that the, them together, you know, like I said, this is really the first year they played together as stars, and so, um, you know, I think that that'll be interesting to see how that develops. But I think it's just a product of the game of baseball in general. I mean, the base baseball they play every day, right? Yeah, they play every day all summer. You know, it's kind of if you're a casual fan like yourself, it's you know, you maybe check in, you maybe watch a couple of games a week, um. And so it's just not. You watch NBA. LeBron scores forty points. If he had to play every single night for you know one hundred and sixty two nights, he would not he would not be scoring forty points a night. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. And NFL, I think I think it's kind of like a sliding spectrum almost of like how often you play versus how. I mean, really, in general, just how much people get, how riled up people get for it, because you know, NFL, college football, they play once a week. They play, you know a handful of times a year, less than 20 every week is, you know, you get, if they play baseball once a week, you know, I think these guys, I think you would see these guys be just as big as stars because, you know, Mike Trout would, would come out there on, on Saturday afternoon or whatever and bring it and hit three homers. But, you know, I think it's just part of the game of baseball that, you know, these guys, they, they, and they, and, you know, sometimes, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it. You'll be scrolling on Twitter and you see an Otani clip and you're like, Oh God, what's this going to be? And you click on it and he get to home run the sounds like a construction site. And so, I mean, it's it's interesting because there's stars in the league like this before. And, you know, Mike Trout has shown that he doesn't really want to be in the spotlight unless it's subway commercials, I guess. But um, I don't know. I mean, I think this year will be really be the real barometer of that because if especially if they can hang on, if their pitching can stay legit and they can get to the playoffs, I think they're going to really start to captivate some people and they're going to really start to take over some, uh, some TV sets in, yeah. in October.
0: Yeah. I think you're right about that. Yeah. Um, you know, as I look at the uh, standings, you know, we were talking about, you know, teams that maybe have disappointed or not who they were for me, the, the one that jumps off the page is the Chicago white Sox. This mm. team has been building and building every single year, but I hated the Tony La Russa hire they made last year, bringing in, you know, and a guy that had been out of the game so long and it was so old. And, you know, that caused, of course, some dysfunction in that uh, dugout. But here they are, two games below 500. Obviously, you know, five games out isn't the end of the world by any stretch. But uh, what the hell was going on with this White Sox team?
2: Yeah, man, I don't know. Like you said, I, I felt the same way about the La higher hire because it, it, the scenario was you have this really young, fun, trendy team. That's on the cusp of being good. They're exciting. They're young. They're flashy. They're athletic. Who should we hire as the coach? The 80 plus year old guy who's retired and already a hall of famer, which it's very funny. I think when someone makes the hall of fame and they come back afterwards. Yes. Um, what do you have to prove? Right. Right. And so, uh, I don't know. I mean, Tony LaRussa knows baseball, obviously. He's just a curmudgeon. And so um, I think, I think there's some natural regression there. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna kind of come back and play a little better. I mean you look at the they've scored 175 runs this year. That's they're gonna score more than 175 by the end of the year. On the other hand, they've allowed 225, and that's the second most in the division. The Royals have the most. They've allowed 259.
0: We got 15 is, minutes without mentioning the Royals.
2: Yeah, I'm probably I mean, yes. It's it's I we'll get to, to them in a second. Don't worry. To, yes. to speak on the White Sox, the White Sox are um, they're playing worse than they are right now. And so I think over the over the I think by the all-star break, you'll see them and the twins honestly are playing better than they are. And so I think that by the end of the all-star break, and don't sleep on the Guardians either. I mean, I think you're gonna see the the L Central start to kind of bunch up and um once once the summer gets going and once the White Sox star hitters really get going, I think you'll see see them start to pick it up. Um, and especially there, I mean, you mentioned Tony La Russa. If they get to the postseason, they're a team. That's not to be messed with, because um, you know Tony La Russa. He's won a World Series. He's he knows what he's doing out there, um, and so if they uh, kind of the same thing as the Angels, but if they get to the to the to the postseason, then watch out. That's what I would say about the White Sox.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned the uh, the Royals here. Um, what, what, what's what's going on there? Like why why are they this bad? I thought this was supposed to be the year that they would put something together, take a step closer. I didn't think necessarily playoff team, but at least. Right the closest they'd been in quite some time, but it looks like they've taken two steps backwards. What's going on there in Kansas City?
2: Yeah, I don't know. It um, I I felt the same way. I, I wasn't sure before this year if the playoffs were really in the cards, but um, I said that they could potentially be around 500, which, you know, that's fair, you know, if you're around 500 and then you springboard off that into next year, unfortunately things have not gone that well. <laughs> um The Royals are 16 and 33 right now. They are 12 and a half games back, which might as well eliminate them from the playoffs. Um, They're the worst team in baseball. They were the worst team in just the American league for a while, but now they're officially the worst team in baseball. And Somebody summed it up the other day pretty well, and I can't remember who it was. I think the the issue is not that the Royals are bad, right? The issue is that the Royals are bad, but trying to be good. And so if they were this bad, But they, if their team was just full of young guys who were learning, you know, there would be some really exciting and fun games and then there'd be some horrible losses. And, you know, they, the guys get valuable playing time, experience like that. If that were the case, then I think it would be a lot better because, you know, fans could stomach 16 and 33 if, you know, they were watching, I mean, Bobby Wood Jr. got the call, but if they're watching Vinny Pascantino, if they're watching, you know, Nick Prado, um. If, if, if you made the whole team out of Bobby Witt juniors, then it'd be okay if you're losing this many games. But um, unfortunately half the team is made up of guys like Carlos Santana. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why you mentioned people aren't watching games as much. So I think the Royals really just need to call up the young guys, and, you know, let the kids play as they say. And um, yeah, I mean, I just think that they going into this year, there was always the chance that it went horribly awry and it's gone about as horribly awry as it possibly could. But if, so I think the only real fix at this point is to just call up the young kids and, and continue to lose games, but um, do it in a fun way. You know, let's have some fun with it. Let's be ter- kind of like KU football. If <laughs> we're gonna be fun, if we're gonna be horrible, we might as well have some fun with it, right? Right. How much of it falls on Bethany? I don't know because I mean there are certainly s- certain uh, strategic you know moments where you could be like, oh well, he shouldn't have done this. He shouldn't have done There's that. Only
0: so much a manager can do.
2: Right. Exactly. There's only so much a manager can do. They're not, it's not like you're playing MLB the show or something where they're controlling guys, telling guys when to swing. It's not all, this is, and it's not the NFL where, you know, the coach can, you can fire a coach and turn things around right away. Right. The the manager
0: in baseball of probably the three major sports is the least involved.
2: I would agree. um, Unless you're, unless you're in the NBA and you're coaching LeBron, in which case you are the least involved of anybody. Um, But I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't fire Matheny just because I think he's very good and just kind of that off the field kind of stable figure. Um, mm-hmm. And that's someone who's been around him before. So maybe that's, you know, a little biased, but I wouldn't fire him mid season, especially because there's nobody on this assistant coaching staff that I think deserves to be, I mean, when are you going to hire Cal Eldred to be the manager? I don't think so. He, I mean, he's the worst pitching coach in, in baseball. <laughs> and so I would stick with Matheny after this year. I don't know. I'm down to evaluate anything. Um, I don't really see any point in firing him right now, though. And I mean, I don't think the Royals are going to be this bad by the end of the year. I think they're going to still be bad, but I think that they'll start to figure some things out. And so I, I would stick with Matheny, um, especially because, like you say, just a baseball manager. There's only so much they can do.
0: How good is Bobby Wood Jr. going to be?
2: Oh man, he is, he's settling in, um, which is, which is a scary sight. If you're, if you're in a, it's, it's a, it's a bad day to be another team in the AL central um, because Bobby Witt is coming. He's, he's been tearing it up lately. He had like a four game stretch where he had like 10 hits or something. um, Three doubles the other night. He's just going to be a mainstay man. And I'll tell you what, we were talking about Otani. We were talking about trout playing in, in LA being great for years, but they are terrible. I hope that doesn't happen in Kansas city, man. I, Bobby, you gotta surround him with at least some kind of winner. You gotta follow some sort of model like these teams, these mid-market teams, Cleveland, Milwaukee, whatever. He's gonna be good. And hey, don't sleep on MJ Melendez either. He's a catching prospect. He's up in the majors now. He's been tearing the cover off the ball. Um, it's, it's fast. It's 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 a good problem to have that you have maybe the best catcher in baseball in terms of a veteran right now in Salvi, and maybe the best young catcher in baseball in terms of MJ. It's a great problem to have, but it's very inconvenient. Um, and so they've been playing MJ in right field a lot. Salvi's been DH. And uh, I'm, just, I'm just excited to see how things continue to develop with this team because there's a lot of different ways that it can go, and I hope that it goes in the better ways.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I certainly think so. Uh, that'd be great to see on that on uh, that front. Now, uh, Jordan, this weekend, I'm actually headed to Wrigley for the very first time. Really? Making, uh, my first visit up there. Uh, have you made the trip? Have you had the pleasure to go to Wrigley
2: yet? Uh, if not, what are some of your uh, favorite ballparks you've been to? I've never been to Wrigley. Um, I actually just went to Chicago for the first time about a month ago, a month or two ago by now. Um, didn't make it to Wrigley. I, I've said that I want to go back to Chicago because we were there from Friday to Sunday. I want to go back when I have like a week or so because I want to go to Wrigley. Um, we almost caught a Bulls game, but the tickets were too much. Um, Wrigley, I mean, I've seen it though. Like I've seen the way it, you know, is embedded just in downtown Chicago and Wrigleyville there. And that would be a great place to go. I'd be fascinated to go there. Um, Kaufman is just, you know, it's the standard, right? It's beautiful. Um, for me, well, let me rephrase that. It's the standard for me. Um, I guess I shouldn't assume everybody has the same experience as me. Uh, Bush stadium, you know, Bush stadium is another one of the best. Um, I haven't been to a ton of stadiums, man. I've been, I've been to some minor league parks, uh, Werner Park in Omaha. Oh, yeah. Um, you've been there, I assume. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, that's a great park. That's honestly a major league quality park, man. I mean, I was there for the uh, College World Series. Um, I assume you were there probably around well, they, the same.
0: Uh, they, they actually – so Werner Park, uh, where the Storm Chasers play, is out in Papillion. That's a small park. But TD Ameritrade, oh. all they do is just the College World Series. They play in separate venues now.
2: Does Creighton play there during the season? Yeah, Creighton plays there. Yeah. Okay, that's the park I've been to before. I I I assumed that the Chasers played in the same park. Wow, that's actually that's actually interesting. Um, yeah, no, that's a beautiful park. Um, Wichita Wind Surge, where they play down down there. That's that's a nice one. Um, it's funny because I've been I've traveled a lot in my life and I've seen so many stadiums from the outside. Like I can't tell you how many times I've driven past Lucas Oil Stadium on the yeah. interstate in Indianapolis, going up to Ohio or going to wherever. And so um, it's just very funny to see those stadiums uh, for the first time. Or like when I was in Minnesota, we drove by the big uh, the big stadium over there. You know, I imagine being in Las Vegas driving by the Death Star. Right. Um,
0: like my, my first uh, – the only time I've been to Target Field was actually for a, uh, a Green Day concert. It was not uh, for baseball.
2: <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I deal a lot with the um, – the ticketing panels, uh, for the right. MLB teams with my job. And it's always very funny whenever I have to sub in like, a Elton John is coming to Kauffman stadium this summer. Buy your tickets now. Things like that. Um, I remember a few years ago, who was it? Do you remember well, Joel came to Kauffman a while back? Is that what it was? Yeah. And then that would have
0: been a good show.
2: Oh, that would have been. Yeah. Especially, I mean, it's always, I mean, being in an outdoor park like that. And then who, who was it? Taylor Swift. Um, had a concert, I think in Seattle that she scheduled for her tour and the Mariners actually moved either one or two of their home games. And so they played less home games. This was in like 2012 or something. I think Um, Taylor Swift Mariners, it might not have been Taylor Swift, but they had to move their home game in order to have a concert. And that just blows my mind. And it just goes to show, I I'm, I'm pretty sure the Mariners were terrible at the time that, it, it, it's sort of the exact reason why I don't think an NBA team is going to come to Kansas city anytime soon in that the sprint center slash T-Mobile center makes so much money off concerts. Yes. That's what I've heard for years. That made, they make they make so tickets much money cost
0: more than sports
2: tickets and they sell better. Right. They make so much money off concerts. They don't have to, if they had an NBA team, they'd have to reserve the arena for, you know, eight months of the year. I don't want to keep talking about that because it's going to make me sad. And it's going to make me cheer up the idea that Kansas city may never have an NBA team, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, what do you think about this downtown ballpark idea? I think it's interesting. Um, as someone who's been to, you know, a lot of Royals games and a lot of chiefs games, I think it's a fun experience you know, you drive out there to that specific spot. It's kind of, it's not isolated, but it's, you know, further away from downtown and everything. And, you know, you have your fun there, you, tailgate whatever and then you leave and that's the end of the day but i've always thought it'd be interesting if part of the experience was you know you go downtown you have some some lunch or some dinner or whatever before the game and then you go and then you have to you go out to a bar or you go to a restaurant and so that'd be really interesting to see because i've never experienced anything really like that um you know it's not like allen Fieldhouse is on mass street and you can just right. like bop outside after a game to louise's or something um I I, am all for it. Um, especially because I think it would improve the experience at Arrowhead as well. Um, you know, if they didn't have to worry about the call, I've heard, I don't know, this was probably speculation, but I heard that if, if the Royals did move out of downtown, that the people who buy who own Arrowhead, the hunt family would buy the K or the property at least. And they would try to turn it into some sort of concert venue, some sort of ballpark village kind of place to go, uh, for chiefs games. But, I'm excited for it. I think it'd be a lot of fun if they plopped it right downtown there and you could walk to power and light after a game oh, yeah. or something like that. Um, Westport. I don't know. Where they I don't I, I've seen that they've had like three or four potential spots for it. Um, I'm, and, I'm a big stadium guy, Jordan. And uh, you know, I I love to check
0: off these venues and go to different places uh from time to time. And and uh, you know, for me, like, you know, I'm living here in Dallas now. And I, I got to go to the new Globe Life, although all the reviews I hear are not great. Uh, you know, I, I went to the old stadium here in in Texas a lot, you know, growing up, and loved that ballpark. But it seems like all they did was just try to replicate the uh, the Astro Stadium.
2: Yeah, man. I'm I'm in general, I think they serve a great practical purpose I, for football. I can understand why a dome makes a lot of sense, but ba- part of baseball for me is is the open air. You know, it's it's the Open air, beer, hot dog. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so, I, I mean, I guess I grew up just going to an open air park. And I just feel like go, watching baseball in a dome would just be weird, man. I feel like I'm indoors in a dome. It'd just be weird. Football makes sense to me because, right. you know, they, they're not hitting – they're throwing the ball, but, they, you know, baseball, they're hitting ball, the ball through the air. And so many things with the weather and the air and stuff dictate what happens in the game. And so – um i'm a proponent that every nfl team should play in a dome um it's that might be a hot take what do you think about that oh that's a bridge too far for me oh wait let me rephrase that should play in a dome slash have some sort of roofing uh apparatus you see that
0: that bill's patriots game when it was like 40 mile an hour winds or whatever it was I, i was all for that
2: yeah Yeah, that's true. I didn't want to be out
0: there, but I love watching it on TV. Like Mac Jones not being able to throw the football. (laughs) That was awesome.
2: Yeah, Um, it's it's completely impractical and it would never it's impossible. Uh, I wish you could at least do it for like the playoffs or something, you know, like how how in baseball they have like the extra innings runner rule, things Mm -hmm. like that. Um, And then but then when they get to the playoffs, they're like, okay, now we're going to go back to the pure version of the sport um oh, that, uh, i wish that, that packers niners game was pretty nasty. yeah that's a good point i wish there was a way i don't know i want i i, I want there to be snow and i want it to be fun yeah. but at the same time i get why it doesn't make sense and as a team that passes the ball i'm just waiting for the first time that the chiefs play in a super bowl or in an important game and it's raining and Mahomes can't grip the football um but yeah what do you think of the extra innings runner on second rule in baseball are you a fan of it
0: uh, I mean, it's okay. I mean, I, I have uh, a lot more grievances uh, when it comes to overtime with uh, the NFL to uh, deal with than uh, baseball that fraud. but right. um, I like that baseball plays itself out, that it's it's fair at least mm-hmm. one way or the other. Uh, right. I know that some people get irritated with you know games going however many extra innings, but for me, that's not a concern. The fact that you at least have a fair ending that's
2: decided on the field, uh, I'm okay with. Right. Well, and it's funny because when, at least whenever I explain to people like how they should change the NFL over time, I always say they should do a baseball style. They score, you get a chance to score. If you don't score, you lose. If you score, you keep going. And so, and it's funny too, because I was making this comparison the other day with my friend. Uh, we were arguing about this on our pod, the, uh, the, cause he's very anti baseball extra innings runner rule. Uh, I'm very pro it. And I said, it's honestly kind of like college football overtime where you just kind of 25 yard line yeah you're you're extraditing the process right you're you're just basically scooted up it's it's the same thing it's you bust out some kind of pass to get to the 25 yard line versus you know you lead off double um it just makes it makes it easier to score it's an even playing field i love it um i think everybody kind of likes the universal dh um in terms of people involved with baseball you're gonna have a lot of purists out there that love watching pitchers bunt five times a game um but yeah i don't know i i i think that baseball uh extra innings is really nba overtime is, is the gold standard but that's not fair because they can just tack on five more minutes right you know they can't they can't in baseball they can't say "Hey, let's just play five more minutes right uh football it would be interesting to me if they did it um sort of baseball style where like you they could just go on forever because yeah. imagine that bills chiefs game that they just could keep going back and forth scoring touchdowns but
0: well, we got to get to 60 minutes at some point eventually you know i mean that's yeah. what this that's why we we see nfl overtime as short as it is because the networks right. are the
2: ones calling the shots The guy, right. yeah to you're, you're joking but we do have to get to 60 minutes
0: um <laughs> yes.
2: uh the funny I'm joking, thing is- but
0: sadly i'm not joking
2: yes right right um yeah. I don't know, man. Um, I, I, I just can't, I just start thinking back to again, to go back to KU, KU football last year, Jalen Daniels in Texas. I mean, that was awesome. Yeah. if, if over, if we're playing with NFL overtime rules there, that game probably doesn't unfold the way that it does.
0: No, I don't think so. Jordan, um, we got to go. We're
2: out of time. Uh, oh, this yeah.
0: thanks for joining us, man. Where can people find you and see what you're doing with MLB.com?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can follow me on Twitter at by Jordan Wolf. Um, I work for MLBcom I do some reporting uh, at the K whenever there's a fill in uh, situation. Um, read stuff on MLBcom I guess. Um, whoever your favorite baseball team is, support your support, your local journalism there. And then I have a podcast as well. Started up a few months ago. The Long Relief podcast that's on all, any platform. Long Relief. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Long Relief Cast. That's at L-O-N-G. R e l i e f c a s t. I hope I spelled that right. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Thanks for having me on. Um, it's been too long. I'm glad to be back on here talking some shop with you.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely, Jordan. We'll uh, do it again in the future. Thanks, Jordan. I uh, appreciate you stopping by, man. Of course. Take care. Rock chalk. Big thanks to Jordan Wolf for joining us. Now we bring back in Coach Bo for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, oagks.com, oconnoradvisorgroup.com. You can also reach out to Bo by phone at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. You can also reach out to Bo by email, brian.oconnor at lpl.com. That's brian with a Y. Dot O'Connor at LPL.com. And you can check out O'Connor Advisor Group on Facebook as well. He's also the host of the Coach Bo Knows podcast right here on the Studio Soapbox Network. New episodes out each and every Monday and Friday. As Bo rejoins us. Bo, uh, before we get to the football fix this week, what is going on at O'Connor Advisor Group right now?
1: Hey, we've been, I mean, obviously we get a little slow right before you know the holiday memorial day. You have all the graduations and whatnot, but it's picking back up. What we're working on right now, we are actually working hard and close with one of our friends, one of the accountants here locally. Uh, we highly recommend Stone Creek Accounting. They're right in our building. We've been working with them for, God, for six, seven years now. And we've been working specifically with a lot of government employees, especially here in Kansas. Um, there's some special tax benefits they don't really know of. And um, that's something that Stone Creek's kind of found. And now we've been going back to my clients who have these, some of these benefits to talk to them about the things we can do. So if you're like a government employee, if you're thinking about retiring and you're trying to get that plan together, or if you're already retired and you work for the state of Kansas, we want to talk to you because there's some stuff you may not know that you may not be getting right on your taxes. We can get you a stone Creek. that can help you out. And then we can help you from there. And then right now the market's been a mess. We've had, you know, this was six weeks in a row where the the S&P and the Dow were down. What I'll tell you is if you're not happy, if your current advisor is not talking to you or you're just concerned about what you got, we give free reviews. We'll take a look at what you currently have. I'll have a conversation with you, talk about your goals, what you're wanting to accomplish. And from there, we'll see if your plan meets your current needs. And if not, we'll suggest, make some suggestions to you if we can help you.
0: We want to be your partner, OAJKS.com, Group.com for more information. Bo, uh, let's go ahead and get to the football fix for this week in the National Football League is uh, where we will start there. And uh, you know Baker Mayfield still on the trade market. No deal has been made. Mayfield remains a member of the Cleveland Browns for the time being. And we heard some reports that the Panthers were close to a deal at the draft, but kind of fell through. That uh, they wanted the Browns to take on more money, that they ended up going ahead and uh, drafting Matt Corral out of Ole Miss in the third round, and that there's still interest, though, from Carolina and from Seattle as well. Bo, how do you see this ultimately all playing out when it's all said and done? Surely. Cleveland isn't going to release Baker. I imagine they'd rather even keep him and have him play those eight games than release him for nothing.
1: Well, I think it will play out that he gets released. I think the smart thing is they shouldn't have pissed him off in the first place. They should have said, hey, we're going to use you as our insurance for half a season. You know, when uh, it gets to the point of having um, Sean Watson's suspension, we don't know how long the suspension is going to be. But what I think the important thing to understand is, is that the the Browns overplayed their hand when it came to Baker, and now they're going to suffer the consequences. No one's going to give them anything for Baker Mayfield. He's got too much of a cost as far as salary this season. It's the fifth year. And so to take that, that money and to pay it right now, for what essentially is a backup quarterback for most teams, I mean, it, it's just not, not, a, not a good idea to pay a guy $19 million to be a backup quarterback. What the Browns have to hope for is that someone who has a franchise quarterback has that quarterback go down early in camp or in mini camp. and then they're going, okay, now we need somebody to get us by for a season. Um because Baker's the best thing available in that situation right now. Otherwise, I do think this is going to play out where Baker Mayfield gets released at the end of training camp. I don't think he'll play it down in training camp. Either. I don't think there's any reason for him to. And I think he'll get released, and I think that someone will pick him up when there's when there's not as much money involved.
0: Yeah.
1: Why pay Why pay almost twenty million dollars for a backup quarterback? Right. I mean, and there's no team that's competing that needs Baker Mayfield.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: If you're gonna, if you want to take a shot at Baker Mayfield, then get him when he's cheaper, which will be training camp, or get him next season on a one year improvement kind of deal, because he's not getting a long term extension anywhere.
0: Right. Now, with with all that being said, of Baker's situation and, and where things are at. Is there any increased pressure on these borderline quarterbacks as they go through OTAs and mini camps, like let's say Drew Locke in Seattle, or whether it's Sam Darnold in Carolina, maybe even Daniel Jones with the giants. Like if, especially these teams with newer coaching staffs that are getting a look at these quarterbacks for the first time, if they're not impressed, if they don't like what they see, could they be like, you know what? Let's pull the trigger. Let's go ahead and go with Baker Mayfield. Can you get that type of vibe from what you see over the next few weeks, or is that reading too much into these off-season workouts?
1: I I, I think it's going to be really hard. I, I see where you're going with it, but I think it's going to be hard for a coach and staff to say they'll pull the ripcord on a starting quarterback this early in the process. It would have to be they get in the preseason games and they're just terrible. But now you've only got three games, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to four we had back in the day.
0: And you're only going to play two probably. And you're
1: only going to really play two of them if you're starting a quarterback. So, yeah, I, it's going to have to be that someone just completely is horrible. And I think the new coaching staffs kind of understand, you know, like the, like the Giants coaching staff with Daniel Jones. I don't see them pulling the, the, the cord on Daniel Jones. I think they give him the full season. There is no expectation of going to the playoffs. It's let's see what we've got, and we'll go back into the draft next year. Um, Again, yeah, I think the best thing that Baker can hope for, the best thing that Browns can hope for to get rid of Baker is an injury. And an injury to a team that's a, that's a, that's a, um, a contender.
0: Who's more likely to be a starting quarterback in 2022, Baker Mayfield or Jimmy Garoppolo?
1: Ooh. Oh, man. I'm going to say Jimmy Garoppolo, but I think it's because I don't know if what's going to happen with Trey Lance. I mean, I think Trey Lance is obviously the starter and, you know, he gets hurt, you know, that kind of thing. It could be Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think the odds are long on either player being a starting quarterback. I mean, I can see at some point Jimmy Garoppolo starting for the 49ers, if you know Trey Lance gets hit, or if he comes out in the first four games and it's just horrible, and, and they go you know, one and three or 0 oh and four, and the 49ers go, well, we're gonna have to go to Jimmy because we 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 got expectations. I can see that situation. I don't think that's likely, but I could see that more than a team taking a chance on Baker Mayfield right now. I think a team might take a chance on Baker Mayfield in August, but it's also going to be the Browns way overplayed their hand. They're going to have to eat almost all that $19 million. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no incentive for a team to trade for Baker Mayfield right now.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, you, you make good point there. Uh as far as that goes with those quarterbacks. Now, speaking of the Browns, Deshaun Watson, that situation, let's talk about that now. Yeah. Another accuser has filed a lawsuit that makes 23 now. We heard from a couple of the accusers on HBO with Real Sports with Brian Gumble this past week, and Roger Goodell says they're close to wrapping this thing up, their investigation. Now with another accuser coming forward with – the you know the media now getting interviews. Does that change anything in this process now? What does this all now mean for Deshaun Watson going forward?
1: Well, I think it's gonna come down to just the NFL is gonna to have to make a decision. They're gonna make they're gonna suspend Watson. Six, eight, a season, something. Um, I think it's gonna be eight games. I think it's gonna be half a season. Um, but I I don't think this one new one changes what the NFL is gonna do. I mean, this sounds shitty to say, but what's the difference between 22 and 23? The NFL hasn't investigated these individual claims by talking to the, the women involved with the claims. Mm-hmm. Not a single one of them. They haven't even asked them, according to the attorney. Um, I did see the same real sports report on this as well. I saw the same thing you saw on that. And it, it's damning. I think Deshaun Watson is guilty as hell on this. I do. There's just no way I would have brought this guy on my team. And I don't think he walks away from this unscathed. I just it, the 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 worst part to me though, honestly, the football worst part of that to me. Let me be let me be very careful with my words on that. Is what the Browns did for Watson on this contract. One, the guaranteed deal. Two, how they structured year one was even if Watson was suspended the whole year, he's only out $1 million, you know, on a $250 million contract. That's just not being held accountable. And I have a real problem with that. I have a real, this is why the Browns are the organization that they are. Mm -hmm. This is why they haven't had a great quarterback all these years. It's why they can't win anything. They're, they're, they're a, They're a dog shit organization run by a guy who thinks he's bigger than anything else because he's a multi-billionaire. Right. He's the worst of the worst. And this quarterback who in all has has basically fooled everybody. Right. There was nobody who didn't think pretty highly of Deshaun Watson before all this. Right. On and off the field. And he basically pulled the wool over all of our eyes. I don't think he understands what he's doing. I don't think that he understands why he's wrong for behaving the way he did.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's just my two cents. I, I, I think he just thinks he's just, you know, getting a massage and a, and a rub rub and that's just normal behavior. And it's not. And, and I, no, I just, I have a lot of problems with this as you can tell. And, I don't know. There's a lot to this to examine, and I also don't trust the NFL to do any sort of independent investigation. No. I mean, they've lied to us time and time again. Trusted an an, an independent investigation from the NFL is just—it's silly at this point. I believe that they're actually investigating this in a way that could come out to be damning on their own. It is. They're going to hide it. Tell me this. So.
0: With Major League Baseball and Trevor Bauer, Mm -hmm. one individual, and Trevor Bauer's out, what, two seasons? I mean, long suspension on top of being on the commissioner's exempt list. Sean Watson, what are we talking about here? Six to eight games, 23 different women here. What is the reputation from the NFL in all this? Like, I mean – it's not just this one thing either. I mean, they have a long track record of getting this wrong.
1: Yeah, they do. I mean, this goes back to like the independent investigations on concussions. You know what they've done to you know the the old the ex players, what they've done in a lot of different you know Ben Roethlisberger stuff off the field. And
0: I mean, Tom Brady got to suspended uh, four games for in you know deflating footballs, and you're saying that. Sexually assaulting twenty-three women is only a two-game difference between that.
1: Yeah, look at that. Look at what happened to the to to my team, the Saints, with with the bounty system. Yeah, Sean Payton got a season. He got a season. He didn't hurt anybody. He didn't do anything illegal or immoral. He was just giving them cash if they if they if they had big plays, reportedly. Right, but. That's a whole lot different than assaulting 23 women, allegedly. But it, yeah, I, the punishment doesn't fit the crime. And when you, the problem is, is that the NFL is bulletproof. They're going to screw this up and they're going to give him six games or eight games or even a year is not enough. Right. But they're going to say, well, he wasn't found guilty in a court of law of anything. Yeah. And they're, going to, and they're going to want to move on for the better of the league. And because they are the NFL and they are the only thing in in American entertainment that is bulletproof, no yeah. matter what happens, their ratings don't go down. They go up. Mm-hmm. And Deshaun Watson is not going to affect that one iota. So what incentive does the NFL have to investigate this? And they'll hold someone to a standard. Yeah. Why don't I just try to get it out of the news cycle as fast as you can? Mm-hmm.
0: Um, speaking of uh, the NFL and investigations, uh, Dan Snyder, the uh, Washington Commander's owner, Roger Goodell requested to testify. What's, uh, what's going on in that situation now?
1: So, the NFL, there's a, a congressional uh, oversight committee that's looking at the NFL. Where they get the power to do this is because the NFL has a. Um, Oh, um, what's it called? Basically, they they throw out the monopoly rule. The um, They have a special rule where they can be a monopoly. Uh, because of that, the, the oversight committee gets to, gets to review them. Well, now we have all these situations that, the, that Dan Snyder has gotten the Washington commanders into. Things like, you know, how they have treatment of women in the front office. Uh, now it's getting to the money part. Uh, Dan Snyder seems like he was shorting other owners on the visitors' checks uh, for the attendance. Uh, Different stuff that we're seeing and hearing. the The owner of the um, the NFL, Daniel Snyder, he's been shady. He's been suspended once before. He had to give a team to his wife, now ex-wife. At some point, he's got it back, but he's got defenders. Jerry Jones is one of his biggest defenders and these owners all stick up for one another. And they're the ones that push the the commissioner around. The commissioner works for the owners, not for the players, not for the fans or anybody else. Well, now this, this oversight committee wants to talk about what's going on with this team. And if so, this could be a situation where Congress steps in and starts threatening the NFL with some severe, some severe penalties when it comes to tr- about being more transparent in their investigations. Yeah. And you can use this stuff with Daniel Snyder as an example. You can use Deshaun Watson as an, use as an example. You can use concussions as an example. You can use a lot of different things as examples. And there's been zero transparency because the NFL says we're doing an independent investigation. They're right. Basically hiring a lawyer and saying, Hey, this is the result we want to be able to give. Do what you got to do to find this result so we can give it to the public. Right. And we've come to find out that two or three times now the NFL's hidden some pretty damning information. Mm-hmm. And these owners should step up and they should go ahead and say, Hey, we're we're not gonna stay behind. The NFL owners should do to Dan Snyder what the NBA owners did to the Clippers' old owner, um, Donald Sterling. Yeah. They should absolutely make him sell his team.
0: I don't see it happening unless they prove in the investigation the speculation of that he was stealing money from the other franchises. Like, until it affects their bottom line, I don't see them ousting Dan Snyder.
1: And I'm not even sure that that's going to be part of it. I think that you look at this. I think the whole thing is, um, these owners stick together. They're all good. They're all. You see, it's a good old boy system. They're just guys. They all came from the same place. And if you throw Daniel Snyder out, if you're if you're the owners and you throw Daniel Snyder out, well, where does that point back at you? You know what's going on in your house? What's going on in Jerry Jones's house? In those cases. Um, You know, those sort of things. And I I wonder. Yeah. um, Yeah. The only thing that Congress can do at this point is try to take away the federal antitrust exemption that the Mm -hmm. owners have. And that's what I was trying to get the term i was trying to get to earlier. Right. Is that the NFL does have an antitrust exemption. That's what Congress can threaten. And if that threat is serious and, the owners believe they could lose their antitrust agreement, then they would push Daniel Snyder out the door. That's the one card that has to be played to get him.
0: Now out. I'll say this too. I mean, it is no secret. Um, there are NFL owners on both sides of the aisle, Republicans and Democrats. Yep. Absolutely. That are absolutely funding those same Congress people that we're talking about that are some absolutely. of their biggest donors on both sides of the aisle. I, I find it hard pressed to think that how, how hard Congress is going to be knowing that some of these people are there, you know, with, with some of their biggest dollars. I mean, and, and I'm not trying to get political by any means. I no. mean, it's just a fact, you know, they're some, yeah. of, some of the biggest money is coming directly from these same guys.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of these guys who on, like I said on both sides of the aisle, you know, I mean, people who are given to Democrats, people who are given to Republicans and, um, We've seen that we saw this in the last presidential election, especially in 2016, the other election, there was a lot of owners who got some flack for how much they were giving to one side over the other. And a lot of that was thought to be to protect that antitrust exemption. Mm-hmm. There was some promises probably made in there. of, Hey, we'll support you, but this can never go away. I think the one reason Daniel Snyder is not ever going to get thrown out unless it's that situation is that there are other teams doing things like this too. We just don't know it yet. You know? yeah. I still think the John Gruden thing is something that's going to get settled out of court. Watch how much money John Gruden gets when he finally settles. Mm-hmm. Because those emails and that information all gets out in public, it's going to be really damn. Mm-hmm. And there's things that are said in there, from what we understand that are going to be I – mean, God only knows what he was talking. He's talking to the to – the, um, president of the Washington Commanders, who is the biggest show of all. right? When it comes to all these front office problems, I do find it funny that the Commanders are starting to lose money now, though. I saw that their net net value of the team, they've actually gone to being the least valued team in the NFL Mm -hmm. in one of the recent Forbes articles, and and they're not making nearly as much money. There's a team in Washington, D.C., Yeah. I mean, they should be filling that place up every week. There shouldn't be any problem. And any other owner would know that. Daniel Snyder has been, this has been a vanity project from him from day one, as it is for most owners. Mm -hmm. But he's just taken this to a whole different level. Some of the stuff that I've seen and heard has just been damning about about him in particular, about that franchise, and then back to the league. I mean, I I love football and I love the NFL, but I don't like a lot of how the NFL does business.
0: Yeah. I'm with you. Speaking of Washington, uh, there's talk about them getting a new stadium. Speculation for a long time was that them moving back into the nation's capital, but recently they purchased land in Virginia. And there's a proposal for them to just seat 50,000 is all. Um They have one of the largest stadiums in the league as is over 80,000 at FedEx field at one point was the largest stadium in the league. So Bo, with with all that being said of, of looking at that, of Washington potentially moving to Virginia and playing in a small stadium here, this, uh, what what does this mean for, for everybody else? Uh, I I can't imagine them hosting too many events in a, in a 50,000 seat stadium beyond their own football games. I mean, the the way things are going, you got to have a roof and you got to have at least 70,000 if you want some major events here.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're not going to get – you may get some some concerts in there. You might – Why even build a stadium
0: if you're not going to be able to host
1: things? Exactly. I mean, if you're building a stadium now, you need to put a roof on it, even if it's retractable, because especially as an NFL team, because you're going to get a Super Bowl. They've already made that clear. I mean, even Jacksonville got one eventually. Um, it, it's in, in, in Washington's case, it's, they don't care about the atmosphere. They're obviously shorting their opponent, their opponent's visitors' gate money, so they're, they're going to steal their money from somebody. Um, they're just trying to sell tickets. They're going to try to sell those tickets as expensive as possible. But what they realize, and this is true, the experience of going to an NFL game is now nowhere near as fun as watching it on television now. No. It is a much better experience for the NFL.
0: It's not even the best product to go see in person on a weekend. I'd much rather go to a a big-time college football game.
1: Yes, college football is better because you also have that alum thing. You know, it's part of who you are, that sort of thing. The
0: tailgating, the band, the cheerleaders, the whole nine yards, yeah. And
1: I'm here in Kansas City, you know, and we've got, you know, Arrowhead is a lot different. It's more of a college atmosphere, but it's the rare one.
0: And part of it has to do with the three schools in the Kansas City area, KU, K-State, and Mizzou, yeah. aren't great football schools.
1: And none of them are extremely close to Kansas City. None right. of them are, you know, I mean, Lawrence is the closest. It's about half an hour away from the Kansas side. But from where Arrowhead, it's an hour away. Right. Um, you know, nobody nobody lives over in Kansas. Our in Missouri is coming over to a game at Kansas. Um, but, yeah, I agree. I just think that. Yeah, they're thinking it's better to sell the stadium out, and put in all these different. They'll put in a whole bunch of cool, and you know, make it to where you're paying five hundred bucks for the cheapest ticket to get in the building, but every seat's going to be a good seat, right? You know that kind of thing. But there is no experience now in the NFL like watching it at home. All the networks that cover games, whether it's Fox or NBC or CBS or. And now we're hearing some of this cool stuff that Amazon is talking about doing. The experience is so much better. There is no atmosphere at a football stadium in, mm-hmm. the, in the NFL. And there's a couple of sides Seattle is different, Kansas City is different, um, Buffalo is different, especially with that cold weather, you know, those kind of things. But yeah, I mean, it, it's getting away from it. Even Arrowhead's not Arrowhead anymore. Mm hmm. I mean, you know, I, I'm from New Orleans. The, the Superdome ain't what the Superdome used to be.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, it, it's it's a different animal now. So I, I think that's part of the reason they're thinking, well, let's build it. We'll put all the extras in. And, you know, we don't need 80,000 or 90,000 people in there. Yeah. Maybe the upkeep on. They, they're going to have their reasons for it. Mm-hmm. But I, I I don't see why you don't build a stadium with a roof, even if you're going to build it for 50,000. Right. I mean, you can host soccer in there. You can host concerts. You can do some, some cool stuff. You can host WrestleMania in there. Whatever you want to do. Right. You know, whatever it is, you're going to figure some way to get it. It just – yeah. I, so, I'm not as concerned about the not having 70 or 80,000. Yeah. But I do have a concern about that building, Russ.
0: Right. Uh, last thing for you, uh, and then we'll get to our uh, draft for this week. Um, Madden, they released the cover. Of course, it had to be John Madden. Be John Three different Madden. versions. I love that they even have the original photo from the first ever John Madden football. It's the first time John Madden's been on the cover since 2000. Of course, he passed away, uh, you know, back in December. You know, very sad. Um, and we've talked a lot about John Madden on this show, you know, since his passing. But uh, Bo. This is too cool. I know that Madden has been a pretty bad game in the last few years and yeah. I haven't bought it in a while, but, uh, I, I'm glad to see this. This is really cool that, uh, that they're honoring John like that. Uh, yeah. it, it had to be this, right?
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's, um, I am not the big video game player anymore. I've kind of grown out of that. I do play occasionally. Uh, Madden is my favorite game to play. Uh, I don't play anything but sports games. So I do play, um, but I, yeah, this was the absolute no-brainer. You absolutely had to do it this way. You had to, it had to be Madden on the cover of Madden. And, you know, rest in peace. And it just, it had to be this. There was nobody else that you could put on this cover of Madden. And it'd be the same. This year, after John's passing, I think it's important to honor him. And the Madden video game is what's made his legacy in the last 20 years. Mm-hmm as great as he was as an announcer, as great as he was as a coach, people know John Madden because of the video game.
0: You know, I was thinking about this, like if they were going to keep his name in the future, but here's what I was thinking about, though, was it's like – when we have these trophies, like when you win the Larry O'Brien trophy, you may not know who Larry O'Brien is, but you know that he's a pretty big deal. You know, his name, you know who
1: Larry O'Brien is.
0: I know who Larry O'Brien is. I'm it saying who is. The, the casual person is Larry O'Brien. Yeah. He's a, a, a legend in basketball. Um, but as far as John Madden goes, you know, the kids out there playing Madden, you know, John Madden himself hasn't commented, commentated Madden in years. No. Um, But I, I I don't see his name ever being taken off the game because it will be like a teaching point or a legacy. I mean, that's a brand that they have built for a long time, and and you know it, it it'll be it, it's essentially the the trophy of John Madden's career. I think.
1: Yeah, McDonald's is not changing their name anytime soon. No, <laughs> Cola is not changing their name anytime soon. Why would EA Sports change that name from John from Madden? Anything else, right? I mean, why? It's a brand.
0: Yeah,
1: it's a it's a it's a brand. You know, you know when you play Madden, what you're playing? You're playing the the best football game there is, and it's you know, I mean, I I guess some video game people don't like the game as much anymore. I again, I very rarely play games. When I do, I do play Madden. I enjoy it, but I I think it's a great. It it is. It, It is who John Madden's legacy is now. But that brand name is never gonna go away. There is too much in it now. Who would you consider replacing John Madden? And how boring video?
0: would it be if you just called it NFL football?
1: Yeah, you called it NFL, you know, and some some you know adjective. You know, who is the biggest name in football in the last 20 years? Tom Brady. Tom Brady. So would you change the name to Brady? No. 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 And, and that's not a knock on Tom Brady. That's saying even this guy, the biggest thing ever is not worthy of having his name put on that video game. Right. That's what the institution of that video game. And is not to mention to
0: what the backlash would be if they ever oh, took God. it. Oh, God.
1: No, I, I couldn't imagine. You know, I there is there is nobody who could be that guy. now. Right. I mean, as much as – I mean, I think Tony Romo is really good at his job. I think Detroit Aikman is really good at his job. They could do this for 30 more years, and they'll never be as big as John Madden was. Right. And the game carries on the legacy. I think that's pretty cool. And I, I think they absolutely did the right thing in putting John Madden on the, on the cover.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, Bo, let's go ahead and uh, get to our sports movie athlete draft. You and I, just the two of us this week with uh, Thomas Hat this week. So uh, a better selection for us. (laughs) And uh, we'll go back and forth. We'll put our teams together and uh, see who can come up with the best movie character draft. And uh, I got to tell you, uh, we have a gentleman's agreement that we are not going to draft Air Bud. Air Bud, yeah. uh, go back to the doghouse.
1: Yeah, I don't want. I don't want to talk about anything. I'm not taking any. I'm not taking any um, any animals here. I just I can spoil spoiler alert on that. <laughs> um, hey, let's make sure we're clear on the rules.
0: Wait, wait, wait. Uh, I'll say this, Tom. He's all yours. Tom's a dog guy. He can have Air Bud.
1: Tom, and I love dogs too. But Tom can have Air Bud. Yeah, go for it.
0: That's what yeah. we'll put for this week. Like when we put the list out, Tom he gets an honorary pick. Airbud. Should we
1: should we draft for Tom because he couldn't be here?
0: I think we just give him Airbud. That's all he gets. Airbud. Okay. Okay. Right. Like we give him essentially like you go to dinner and this is like our leftovers. Like okay, no one wanted Airbud. Tom, you can have Airbud. Yeah.
1: Now I want to make sure we're clear on the rules here. These are okay. fictional athletes, not when an athlete's played somebody in a movie. Right. So we're not taking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar because he's an airplane. Or Jim Brown because he was in the Dirty Dust. Right. Okay. I just want to be clear about that.
0: We're taking them as the character they are character. in that movie.
1: Yes. Now, an athlete who plays an athlete, I don't think that should be out of bounds.
0: Um, okay, then, while we're on the topic, what about Michael Jordan in Space Jam?
1: Oh, that's a good one because he's, yeah. Maybe we should go ahead and cut that rule out then. Because the only one I can think of other than – I thought about Michael Jordan, and then I thought about uh, Lawrence Taylor. Okay,
0: so you can't have an athlete that plays themselves.
1: Okay. If they played somebody else, you're okay. I think we should also do it where you're not playing a real athlete. So, Billy D. Williams was Dale Sage.
0: Yeah, like I'm not going to pick O.J. Simpson in the Naked Gun.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, and I'm not going to take Billy D. Williams as Gale Sayers, the <laughs> Brian's son. Okay, yeah, I mean that kind of thing. Okay, all right. um, to decide that, that does won- take now that does take one really great one off the board. Okay, because one of the best sports characters of all time with Robert De Niro is Jake LaMotta. Yes, in Raging Bull, right? Which would have been like a top five pick for me. Yeah, but Jake LaMato was a real boxer. So not going to have Jake Lamato. right? Okay. I okay, that's why we got to make sure we're clear on this.
0: So, um, since we don't have a you know full on draft, since there's more than you know not more than two teams in this case, Bo, I, I will give you the choice. Would you rather have the number one overall pick or the back to back at two and three? I rather have the back to back at two and three. Okay, okay. So uh, I will let you have that, and I will take the uh, number one overall pick and uh, get started with our movie character athlete draft. Uh okay. Bo for me, this one, uh he was a star in one of the best series of all time. He's iconic, has a statue and everything. First pick Rocky Balboa goes off the board. Sylvester Stallone as Rocky uh, for me is the uh, first pick. Uh, what do you think of that
1: pick? Okay, so I knew in my heart of hearts where you were going to go first. And here's where I see you and raise you. Okay. Rocky's great. Everyone loves Rocky. I love Rocky. But who's the better boxer, Rocky or Apollo? I'll take Apollo Creed. Ooh,
0: okay. At least you didn't go with uh, the Russian.
1: No, but Ivan Drago would have been a pretty good choice. I <laughs> um,
0: must break you.
1: Let's break you. All right. So I get to go back to back. I'm gonna take the best baseball player ever in a movie, and that's from the natural Roy Hobbs. Roy Hobbs. Have you ever seen the natural?
0: I'm not actually.
1: Oh, it's great. Robert Redford is, is Roy Hobbs. Roy Hobbs is based off of Ted Williams. And uh it's it's really great. As uh, a pa- pa- Creed is based off Muhammad Ali. Mm-hmm. I'll take Roy Hans.
0: Okay. So now I have the uh, back-to-back. Yes. Uh, four picks, uh, four and five. Uh, this one, I am going to go with, he was not the star of this movie, okay. but he was the best character, the most entertaining, and he really should have won the tour championship. I'm going Shooter McGavin with my second okay. pick okay. from Happy Gilmore, uh, okay. I like Happy Gilmore. Happy's a great guy, but personally, I think Shooter McGavin was the better golfer. Uh, Bo.
1: you may be right. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I took Apollo. You got Rocky. I mean, yeah. Now I'm not going to be taking Happy Gilmore. <clears throat> you got two. I'm sorry, you got two back there.
0: Yeah. Ahead. Okay. So you're uh, you're not taking Happy Gilmore. Although I, I, I'll say this, I, I I love Happy. I do. Um, but I have a Soft spot for uh, uh, oh, uh, uh, Shooter McGavin a little more. Uh, next one, my next pick. This might be my favorite movie of all time. And he was such a great athlete. I, uh, I'm disappointed he didn't go pro, but he did serve our, our country and did so mightily. And he was a two sport athlete, great in football and in ping pong. I'm going Forrest Gump with uh, my next pick here, Bo. Yeah.
1: You know, Forrest Gump charmed to charged, pants uh, off the president, you know, and he uh, – uh, yeah, I, you got to love Forrest Gump, you know, the great return man for the University of Alabama. I get it. I I don't, I don't think he would have gone pro. I don't think it's – I mean, he, he's not Devin Hester. I mean, you can't be the – you know, if you're only a, a, a kick returner, it's kind of hard to make it in the league. So I don't, I don't think he would have been a star at the next level. All right. <laughs> All right. All right, so I gotta tell you, is I, I like your picks so far. I like, like where you're going so far. I okay. uh, I would not have taken Shooter McGavin myself. You know, you got to have a bad guy. I've got Apollo Creed, so that works.
0: out. Shooter's good. a good bad guy,
1: but I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a basketball player here. Okay, and I'm gonna take Jesus Shuttlesworth, and he got game.
0: So you're taking Ray Allen.
1: I'm taking Ray Allen.
0: Oh, you didn't want to touch Shaq and Shazam?
1: No, no, I'm not.
0: <laughs> so, Jesus Subtlesworth, uh, very good choice there.
1: Yeah, Jesus, uh, Jesus That is such a great movie too. It is. That is an incredible. Spike Lee's so great, and that movie's fantastic.
0: Yes. Um, who are you going with uh, next?
1: Okay, so I, I'm contemplating here. I'm still contemplating. I, I've got. Like, three different ways. Um, you know, Roy Hobbs only played the one season in the natural. Paulo Creed, kind of an old-school guy. Jesus Soto Worth, a young guy. I think I need a – man. I, I, I think I got to go with a quarterback.
0: Okay.
1: I'm going to take Steeman Willie Beeman from any given Sunday, Jamie Foxx's character, any given Sunday. Are you even familiar with this movie?
0: Yes. Great movie. Yeah. Good pick. Um, So I have uh, my next two picks here. Um, This name, Bo, I don't know if you would have taken or not, but I have to have him on my team. Um, Now I just saw the new Top Gun movie and we're not classifying that in the sports realm, but I love Tom Cruise, one of my favorite actors. And my second favorite Tom Cruise movie, besides these new top guns, was Days of Thunder. And I got to go with Cole Trickle. Cole Trickle was a badass. I got a need for speed. Uh, I'm rolling with a Colt Trickle here, Bo.
1: Okay, so I knew you would take a NASCAR guy. I knew you would. I, I love Ricky not Bobby, the I, but I have, I, but I like Days of Thunder better. I was, I was thinking, I was like, okay, which way is he gonna go? I didn't know if you were gonna go Ricky Bobby or Cole Trickle.
0: Which one would you would you have guessed?
1: Um, I would have guessed Ricky Bobby. <laughs> I would have guessed. Had it been Tom, I'd have been like Ricky Bobby all day long.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now I got another picture. Yep. Go for um, My next pick, uh, this guy was a a great quarterback. Um, They they brought him out of the slump. He was remembered for his Sugar Bowl loss, but then he led his team back to the promised land, absolute lockout in one of the best football movies of all time. I'm going with Shane Falco to be my quarterback from the replacements. That is an all-time movie. Somehow everybody forgets about it, too. I that, even have the shirt bow that says "Chicks dig scars, uh, you know, pay, glory lasts forever. Like forever, yeah. the, the, the line he says in the movie, uh, I got to go with uh, Shane Falco. You like Shane Falco?
1: I, I love that movie. I love them. Now, my favorite actor of all time is the coach in that movie, Gene Hackman.
0: Gene Hackman, yes.
1: I love Gene Hackman. loved all his movies. And and, and I loved him as the, as the coach in that movie. And I, I like Falco. My favorite characters in the movie are the guards. though. I love the okay. two guards. Yeah, yeah. So you got two I more picks. Other. Yeah, all right. Two picks for me here. All right. So um, I'm gonna go. Oh man, I'm gonna go a Crash Davis from Bull Durham. Okay. Kevin Costner's character from Bull Durham. Yes. You know, I gotta have someone. He' a little salty. You know. I gotta help my young guys. You know, he's seen a lot, been around. I'm going to go there. And then I get my last pick. Because this is a classic movie, I love this movie. And they got the two players, and we have to know which one's better. I'm taking the better one. I'm taking Sidney Dean from White Man Can't Jump.
0: Sidney Dean, good pick. Good pick. Um, I'm going to go with, I'm surprised, Bo, you didn't take this guy. Um, I'm going another Tom Cruise movie. I, Jerry Maguire I can't take, obviously, because he was the agent. Yeah. But Rod Tidwell had some swag about him. He and did. that was, I think, Cuba Gooding Jr.'s best role ever, was playing Rod Tidwell. My final pick is going to be Rod Tidwell, another Rod football Tidwell. it's
1: a good pick. Yeah, I like both our teams. It's, you know. We... <laughs>
0: so, to recap, here's our team's. My team, Team Jones, Rocky Balboa, Shooter McGavin, Forrest Gump, Cole Trickle, Shane Falco, and Rod Tidwell. Bo's team, Apollo Creed, Roy Hobbs, Jesus Shuttlesworth, Steeman Willie Beeman, Crash, Crash Davis, and Sidney Dean. Bo, your thoughts on the teams?
1: I think I won again. <laughs> Actually, I like your team, too. I like both these teams.
0: Is this my um, best draft
1: you know, I don't see, like, any of them that I've been like, uh The one I wouldn't have taken, I would never have taken him again. But <laughs> I understand the pick. I do understand it.
0: And you hey, probably would like, have taken Colt Trickle.
1: Yeah, there's, like, four or five others that I really wanted to take. But you just don't have enough of a roster. I mean, we only got six spots. But uh, let's see.
0: And I went but, three football players.
1: I went three basketball players, right? No, I went a boxer, two baseball players, a football player, and two basketball players. Yeah. I would have thought I would have had more baseball players, but I didn't. Um, you know, one I was thinking about, I was going to go Crash Davis. Well, I don't know if you know this one. Do you know who Reggie Dunlop is? No. Slapshot? I haven't seen Slapshot. Okay. Oh, do yourself a favor. Get a six-pack of beer and watch Slapshot.
0: Another yeah. name I-, I would have picked if we would have gone further, maybe if we had someone else drafting here, Bobby Boucher, obviously.
1: On my list as well. Bobby Boucher is on my list. Uh, uh, one I almost picked also, you know, i already took Diesel Shuttlesworth. I thought about taking Neon Boudot from Blue Chips. Okay. You know that one? Yes. That was Shaq in Blue Chips. hmm You know, by far, the best part of Blue Chips is Shaq. When he gets up in the classroom and says, this class is culturally biased, I used that for like three years in college and high school. Like my freshman year, my last year of high school, and a couple of years of college. I think I said it like three or four times to people. This class is culturally biased.
0: Um, another name I would have considered uh, White Goodman from Dodgeball, a true underdog story.
1: I get that one. I get that one. Uh, one, it's a good story that I don't think I mean, he was the coach in the movie, he wasn't a player, was Jimmy Duggan or Jimmy Duggan from, a, from a League of Their Own. Yes. You know, that's based off a real player, too. That's based off a Jimmy Fox. Right. Um, and I almost took Dottie Henson from a league of their own. I almost did. Uh, I almost pulled the trigger on that. And um, there was no way you would take that.
0: I know that it, this was athletes, but in regards to if we were to take coaches, mm-hmm. has anyone been a better movie coach than Gene Hackman when you consider Normandale and Hoosiers and then the coach in
1: uh, The Replacements? Nah, he's the best. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Hoosiers, he makes Hoosiers. Yes. I'm surprised. No one took Jimmy from uh, Hoosiers. I wasn't yeah. going to take a high school player. Um, I, I say that to Jesus. Um, <laughs> but he was the top player in the country. Right. Um, but no, I, I agree. I think great coaches in there. Um, I mean, Hackman is those two is pretty phenomenal. That's why I took Lex Luthor last week, and we did the uh, bald guys. Yeah, it was that Lex Luthor was Gene Hackman? Um, I feel like Tom <laughs> would have taken Jackie Moon. I'm a big Jackie. That is an underrated character. That is Will Ferrell's most underrated character.
0: "Love Me Sexy" is a great song.
1: I would, if I had, if I could, if I lost enough weight, I would dress up as Jackie Moon for Halloween. Yes. I would do the shorter shorts, the, the big, the, the hair, everything. I would do it if I could, if I thought I could pull it off. Yeah. No one took Paul Crew. Yeah. That's another one, you know. Uh, but back to the coaches thing, I'm trying to think of other great coaches in movies. I mean, Norman Dale is the coach of coaches mm-hmm. in movies. Um, you know, the other one to me that comes off the page was Kurt Russell as Herb Brooks. Yes. And miracle and miracle. Yeah. Great movie. That's that speech was incredible. And that, that's like, and, and I'm a big fan of Kurt Russell's as well, but he, the way he keeps the accent the entire time and, he, and it, it, I can't even do it. And he does it so fantastic and gives that big log monologue. And, and yeah, I, I, I could have played for her Brooks. Yeah. I'm not even a hockey player and I could have played for her Brooks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think of other great – you got me thinking now. Oh, Al Pacino in um, Any Given Sunday. Yes. You know, that that speech, the inch-by-inch inch speech. I actually gave that a version of that speech in the locker room as a head football coach.
0: I think if we each had a coach, one of us would take Pacino in Any Given Sunday and Hackman in Hoosiers.
1: Yeah, that would – if I couldn't have Gene Hackman, I would have taken Pacino.
0: Yeah. I think they would be they would be the coaches for our teams. So. Yeah.
1: And then um I can't think of the actor's name within the coach from Major League. Yeah. I just I love that I love Major, Major League to me is like the most like that in my generation, when it came out, it was like nothing had ever been like Major League was. You know, they, they had great characters. You had Jake Taylor and Willie Mays Hayes. Willie Mays Hayes was on my list too. I just didn't give we if we'd have had a batting lineup. One through nine, I'd have had William A. Sates. Um, You know, but even like uh, – what was Charlie Sheen's character's name?
0: I can't remember off the top of my head. Oh, yesterday. man.
1: Ricky Vaughn. Wild thing, Ricky Vaughn.
0: Um, if I had to pick an executive, I'm taking Brad Pitt as Billy Bean in Moneyball.
1: Yeah, because Kevin Costner's good in draft day, but that's not – it's not believable at all. That that's a terrible a tr- movie. A trade wasn't a trade wasn't believable whatsoever. That was, a, I think, Never that's happened. just
0: a terrible movie.
1: Yeah, uh, they just they just tried to hurry that thing through. Um, exactly. Jennifer Gardner was
0: uh, pretty hot in that movie, though.
1: Yeah, um, I found of other executives in sports in movies. <laughs> yeah, I think you pretty much pinned it. Um, Moneyball's great. And as good as that movie is, the book's even better. Yeah. Because they took – the movie takes the character that Jonah Hill plays is basically two people from the book, mm-hmm. morph two people into one. Jonah Hill, to me, is the best part of that movie. Though. I think he's better than Billy Bean in that movie.
0: Um, speaking of Jonah Hill in sports movies, whenever mm-hmm. we get a LeBron movie, he's got to play Brian Windhorst. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. That would be incredible. they look identical. They're like
1: twins. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, Brian Winters looks like he ate Jonah Hill.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now he does. Like, Jonah Hill from, like, 10 years ago?
1: Hey, I, I understand the the the, flood, the, the 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 plight that Jonah Hill has gone through because my weight has gone up and down and up and down and up and down over the years. Currently, yeah. I'm up, up at the plateau. So I don't understand where he's coming from. Um, yeah, you didn't take Adonis Creed when I went for Apollo Creed. No, did you not? Did you not care for those movies?
0: I, I had better options. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, so, but you know, we, we didn't. We said you couldn't do real at real players. But man, if you could have, I would have taken Jake LaMotta number one. Yeah, De Niro was so good in that movie. So, mm-hmm. have you ever seen Raging Bull? Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. It's it's one of my top five sports movies. What are your What are your favorite sports movies?
2: Um,
0: in in no particular order, my favorite sports movies are, um, you know, Forrest Gump. If we count that, I mean, it, yeah. there's, there's so much more to that though than just yeah. the sports portion. I take Forrest Gump kind of out of the equation, but you know. Days of Thunder. Uh Rocky Four was my favorite of the Rocky series. Happy Gilmore is a classic. I like Happy Gilmore better than Caddyshack personally. Um, you know, I, I would put uh the Water Boy up there. I like the longest yard, you know. I mean, th- those are the the, ones that come or the,
1: up. the original one or the the newer one the longest
0: yard. Uh I like the, the newer one better personally.
1: I do too. The old one's good, the new one's better. Um you're crazy if you think that Happy Gilmore is better than Caddyshack. I
0: think
1: Caddyshack's I think. the second funniest movie I've ever seen. Caddyshack,
0: only, I think, is highly overrated. It is the a good only movie, movie
1: I laughed harder. Movie. The only movie I've ever laughed harder at than Caddyshack is Buddies and Saddles.
0: Blaze well, and is phenomenal.
1: And and Caddyshack is that movie that. You just learn every line because every line is usable in life. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I love that. That's my my top five, no particular order. Definitely Caddyshack. Um, The Natural. Um, I don't consider Rocky a sports movie. I've gotten in arguments about this. Rocky is a love story. Okay. The original Rocky. It's set in the sports world. Right. That's a love story. Don't That's care. an It's the best love story I've ever seen. Yeah. But it's, yeah. The notebook ain't got Rocky. <laughs> Guys, if you're listening and your girl likes the notebook, you have to sit through that and make her sit through Rocky. Thank me later. Um, Oh I mean, man. Yeah. I think my other like top three slap shot is one of my favorites. I do like slap shot a lot. We're putting the foil on. <laughs> and then, uh, man, there's so many good ones. Um, I think the big takeaway from this for me personally
0: is the self-realization in this segment is I'm a bigger Tom Cruise fan than I realized.
1: Yeah. Between the Top Gun <laughs> movies. I like a lot of his movies, but I, I'm i not a big fan of his, but I like a lot of his movies. I'm My not a favorite,
0: fan of Scientology. Uh, I, mean, I don't
1: even hold that against him. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, um, you know the movie, I guess it's kind of a sports movie that I thought Tom Cruise was great in. He was young with The Color of Money. Yeah. You know, it's a pool movie. You know, it's, the, the, it's the sequel to The Hustler. And, and Paul Newman's one of my favorite actors as well. I'm, again, I'm a much older guy. So, right. um, yeah. I, what's your favorite football movie? As we talk about football fix, what's, what's your favorite football movie?
0: Favorite football movie uh, is probably uh, The Water Boy.
1: The Water Boy. I would take any given Sunday or the replacements. Okay. Yeah, that was my two. I think that any given Sunday is as close to what actually happens in football as there's ever been. Yeah. And the replacements is just fun to watch. Right. A replacement is just a popcorn movie, and it's great in every which way.
0: The replacements is on that list of movies that if you're just flipping through the TV and it's halfway through, you can turn it on and watch the rest of the movie. Yeah. It's in that category. Great movie there. We will move on. Uh, We'll stay in the uh, football world uh, to the Big 12, our Big 12 uh, breakdown this week. And ironically enough, our Big 12 was more like an an SEC breakdown of sorts uh, as uh, the SEC's newest members that are arriving, Oklahoma and Texas. uh, This past week, uh, we got some updates on uh, their arrival, Joe Castiglione, the, Athletic director at Oklahoma said at big 12 meetings in Irving, Texas this week, that they're still going forward as if they're planning to move to the conference in 2025. Right. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't believe that for a second. I, I think this is OU and Texas's last year in the sec. But with, with that being said at the sec meetings, which are going on in Destin, Florida right now, besides you know, trying to calm down the waters of the whole Jimbo and Nick Saban situation. There's also trying to figure out what this future schedule looks like. And it seems like, Bo, you know, a month or two ago, the consensus was that the SEC was going to go to pods. And now there's a change of sorts with this new ruling from the NCAA that you don't have to have divisions for a conference championship game. Now the talk is that it's a nine-game schedule with three rival opponents that you're locked into and then six opponents that rotate and change every year. So let's take Oklahoma, for example. OU, I would think, would play every year probably their three – member, you know, former rivals of sorts in the, in the big 12, I would think their three would be Texas, Texas, A&M and Mizzou. Maybe it's Arkansas.
1: I could be Arkansas.
0: Maybe it's LSU. Um, But it it was probably, you know, a combination of Texas and A&M and then somebody else. I would think that's what it would be for OU. Um, But with that being said, whatever that may be, I like the idea of a nine-game schedule. And in the current setup, Bo, it might be seven years before Texas A&M plays in Gainesville against Florida. The way this rotation goes, it is so whack. This actually, even with an expanded league, is going to open up some things for the rest of the league members. I like the idea of playing nine games and having three locked opponents and six that rotate.
1: Yeah. You know, the SEC has that problem already. Um, you know, I was an LSU guy. They've only played at Missouri twice. And one of those was a game that got rescheduled from Baton Rouge to Columbia. Uh, They've only played in Columbia once scheduled uh, in all these years. Um, But you're right, so you're going to have that issue. As far as Oklahoma and Texas, I do think it'll be Oklahoma, Texas, A&M, and Arkansas, sort of the old Southwest Conference. I also don't think they want to put LSU with both the Texas schools and Oklahoma all in the same pod or the same division. That's too many really good teams. Well, the
0: there, there's not going to be pods or divisions. It's three. But you're, they're the rivals. That you play. Yeah, everything. I
1: mean, they're gonna. Yeah, it's gonna work that way. I and mean, it's all said. You see, those are the four. Um, you know, I think with LSU, it ends up being the two Mississippi schools, Arkansas, and Alabama.
0: Well, you would only the, have three.
1: Canada, Arkansas, yeah. So it's uh probably, probably Alabama Auburn. You only have four teams. So the two Mississippi schools, Alabama. Well, they won't split Alabama and I all. would
0: bet Arkansas, Alabama, and then
1: A and I A&M. Think, I I don't know It would be interesting. I because like how they do it now where you have your division and you have the one team in the out the other division you play. A lot of a couple of them don't make a lot of sense. I mean, Alabama's is Tennessee, which shares a border. LSU's is Florida. Um, I don't remember who Georgia's is. Um, yeah, yeah. I think South Carolina's is someone from the West. I can't remember who it is, but yeah, you get that once that's it's across the South. I mean, it's yeah. I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see. I I don't see them making. Oklahoma play both the Texas schools and LSU every year. Mm-hmm. So that's why I do think it'll be Arkansas. The two Texas schools make a make a you know thing. The issue will then be how do you put an LSU when you have two teams in Mississippi, two teams in Alabama? You're not gonna want to split any of them up. Mm-hmm. So do you put LSU with like Vanderbilt, Tennessee, and Kentucky? Right. You know, I mean it's gonna, it's not gonna make a whole lot of sense. You can't, um, can't yeah, make it, everybody. It's gonna happen. be interesting to see how they do that. It's because yeah, you have the, the dominant the dominant couple of teams are all in the same area, right? Uh, For outside of Alabama and Georgia, the other four dominant programs are all right by one
0: So think about okay, in Alabama's case, um you have to play Auburn.
1: Gotta play Auburn, one. gotta have Auburn.
0: LSU? That's been I the best they, game of college football the last decade.
1: Yeah, I would think they would keep LSU. Um, yeah, because it's been a ratings coup for them for years.
0: And then what? Maybe Tennessee.
1: Uh, is see Tennessee and Alabama is a big deal. So I could see that, I guess. But then you lose the Mississippi schools have rivalries with the Alabama schools as well. Like do so you put them against?
0: The league is going to be it's going to be totally different now in yeah. that. School. Teams that have been playing for 80 some odd years every single year,
1: it just won't happen anymore. Won't happen anymore. Yeah. Yeah, because you're gonna you mean you're gonna have what with these two teams coming in, they're gonna be at 18. 16. 16. They're at 14 now, that's right. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, you 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 can't play everybody, you know, and, and it's gonna expand more. The SEC is gonna expand more after this, yeah. I mean, they're, they're going to, they're going to end up getting North Carolina. They're going to end up getting Clemson. They're going to end up getting Miami and they're going to end up getting Florida state.
0: Um, Greg Sankey, the sec commissioner this week, he was asked about this idea of the sec having its own playoff. And he says that it's not a threat that they're not trying to threaten the college football playoff, but Bo, I, I feel like it is a threat, whether he says so or not, that they're trying to push what they want. Now, here's what I wonder, okay? So let's say if talk breaks down and they don't get what they want out of a playoff and the SEC does their own thing, but then the other four conferences get together and create a playoff here, that's not good for the sport. I mean, at the end of the day, the best scenario is going to be one centralized playoff one way or the other. And I think the SEC, I love that they're being proactive. They, they, they got forward thinking on this. The Pac-12, the Big Ten, these other conferences are reactionary. They're, they're playing the waiting game while the SEC is trying to do what they can to make the sport for the better.
1: Yeah. Well, I do think we're going to end up with a, a four-conference mega league. And I think what's going to come down, I think what's going to end up sparking it is going to be NIL. I think that the first, the NCAA is trying to stop collectives. The collectives are all lawyering up and saying, hey, we're not breaking state law, which means we're not going against what you told us to do. And we can and cannot do. And I think that's what's going to end up happening. Is I think these collectives and these um, these, tur- these conferences are going to be so big. They're just going to use the NCAA to run the damn tournaments. Yeah. And it's going to end up being 20 teams in the South. You know, the what's now the pack 12 will end up picking up the bones and putting together 16 or 20 teams. The big tens already at what 14 or 16 in their league 14. I think right mm-hmm. now they can easily add a few teams The two conferences that are in trouble are the Big 12 and the ACC. Mm -hmm. Now, I think you'll still have those conferences, but I just don't think they'll administrate football. I think they'll administrate basketball and other events. And in in theory, that's also going to help when it comes to Title IX. Right. Because now you don't have to worry about football scholarships. It's 85 scholarships that's only going to men. But well, now you can make this a little even. We'll see women's sports get a little more. Um, you know, we'll see some growth in some of the other men's sports, like baseball or or some other, you know, golf and those sort of things. The NCAA will still be able to do that and they'll still administrate this mega conference, you know, football playoff for a handsome fee, I'm sure. But the rules won't apply football anymore. Right. They're gonna be a semi-pro league. Yeah, a minor league league. Yeah, I, I I could see that. Um and I just think that's where they're going. And and I think that if I think that's why it was so important for Texas and Oklahoma to go to the big to go to the SEC, because the Big 12 didn't have that vision. No. They didn't see what was going to happen. And NIL is what's changed sports forever. College sports has changed forever now.
0: Well, and and they can try to, you know. Bring real things in some sorts, you know. They're, they're trying to do that, but I mean, once you've already let the cat out of the bag, I don't yeah, think yeah. there's hardly a way that you can go back. Okay, We're I mean, talk- it is going to be what it is, you know. Going yeah. forward, you might have some little things you can change here and there, but of what you're seeing, I, I think is only going to get bigger from this point. Yeah.
1: So on for the next month, in June, on the Coach Bono's podcast, we're going to be looking at NIL from a lot of different angles, from the player perspective, from the good coach, the administrator, and the agent side. Um, I spoke to a, a college coach who, will, who has asked me not to use his name, and I won't, um, who has said that at his university, the guidance they were given by the NCAA was basically considered a joke. And it was, we understand that we can't break state law. We can't be a part of the coaches and the, the, the administrators at the schools cannot be involved in NIL. But what they understand is these collectives are going to be doing a lot of the work for them. Mm-hmm. When it comes to recruiting players and doing these sort of things, a lot of what the Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher stuff was a couple of weeks ago. And what I am led to believe that people who are in the know is they're saying, hey, this is going to be difficult. And the NCAA was so concerned about the lawsuits and losing in court that they just said, okay. And they gave them bullshit guidance saying don't break state law. That's really all they told them. Yeah. In essence. And we've already seen states where they've changed laws. The state of Alabama changed a law. There was a law in Alabama that if you were a booster and you gave money to a player and that player was suspended or was disqualified from play, it was like five years in prison and like a million dollar fine. Guess what happened to the law? It's gone. When Jimbo Fisher gets into this thing with Nick Saban and Nick Saban's upset, who was Nick Saban talking to when he said, you know, hey, they bought their players?
0: Oh, he's talking to his boosters. He's saying, he's give me more booster.
1: money. That's exactly right. He's telling his boosters, AM ain't f-ing around. Excuse my language. They're not messing around. Texas ain't messing around. Oklahoma is not going to mess around. They're going to have people who have money and they're going to spend it. Florida is spending a load of money in their collective to get players. Tennessee reportedly has a high school quarterback who's about to graduate, who just graduated, who's signing. He's like the number seven quarterback in the country. And reportedly he's getting $8 million over three years in NIL deals because of the collective at Tennessee. These boosters will come together, put their money together. You know, they have, some of these schools have billionaires as alums, and they don't mind putting in a couple million dollars to make this work. Right. It, we're in the wild, wild west now.
0: Yeah. And, and I got to tell you, you know, I, I, I think Texas has the pieces that they are going to, you know, they'll play dirty. They'll do what they need to do to mm-hmm. compete in the FCC. Um, yeah. I, I don't know about it, who their coach is going to be. If Sark's going to be there, you know, the, the you know, the, the coach thing is one thing as far as the behind the scenes, the NIL, Texas is going to throw everything they can to compete the highest level. And they, Oklahoma, and they I don't necessarily know that if they're ready for what is about to come to them. for a school that has been so hellbent on compliance ever since the Rep Bullmar deal, Oklahoma is yeah. not ready for what what is coming in the SEC at this yes. point in time. And I to just... change. They have time to adapt, but it is it's going to be a wake-up call for them. Going
1: forward. And and I'm just not familiar on the Oklahoma side. I I know they have the Red Bomar thing, and that's why they've been overly compliant. But I don't know if they have the tippy-top donors that Texas and Texas A&M and what USC is doing. I mean, Nick Saban's whining because he knows that Alabama, they don't have that. LSU doesn't have that. Florida has better boosters than those schools do. Tennessee has better boosters than those schools do. USC has a ton of God forbid Notre Dame want to get involved in this. If Notre Dame decides they want to get in the armist race and having a collective, everybody else will have to look out.
0: Yeah. And as crazy as it sounds, I mentioned this last week. I'll reiterate it that it actually leads to more parity at the top. It does. I mean it creates more opportunities for teams to compete. Whoever's got willing to get out the paychecks yeah. is going to get the players. I mean, it doesn't matter if Alabama's won 10 national championships in a row. If Texas a and is willing to throw more money, they're going to get more players. I mean, it's yeah. simple as that. Money talks. I now, have. A... Go ahead. I'll say this, too. On the Oklahoma and Texas front, we mentioned that they say that they – Still, you know, they're saying the right things legally. They plan to leave the conference in 2025,
1: and that's when
0: they would not have to pay an exit fee at that point if they waited to leave until then. Um, Look, at the end of the day, you're not going to let BYU or Houston or Cincinnati or these guys have the opportunity to embarrass you at home as the new members of your league. And I think it's best for all parties involved that the big 12 lets Oklahoma and Texas go and builds their new identity. And if Oklahoma and Texas go on their way as well, yeah. it, there will be a settlement. It won't be free, but there will be a settlement. Everyone will be happy and they can move on. Uh, that, that's the end all be all. Um, now, you know, the, the, the one thing I will say that if, Oklahoma and Texas do end up staying a little bit longer and closer to that exit. If for whatever reason that did happen, it would buy them time of sorts, Oklahoma with a new head coach, Texas coming off the worst year they've had in 50 years. Mm -hmm. That, that, that to me is the only benefit besides financially, of not having to pay an exit fee. It does buy you time of sorts, to try to you know get your stuff together before going to the SEC. That's the only that and the, the financial implications are the only things that I can see benefiting them of not, you know, going ahead and going to the SEC right away, though.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean I, I I think you just pull you, you pull off the bandage. Um, and it, I, I think that Oklahoma's going to have a tougher time initially. Cuz I think Texas is going to throw a bunch of money at stuff and it's going to fit in just fine. And then Texas's problem is problems have,
0: finding a coach. It's not r- yeah. doing things like the sec. Yeah.
1: And then I do think that I also think that Texas is going to land the number one recruit. I think they're going to land Arch Manning. Yeah. So I, I think he's down to two schools. It sounds like he's down to Alabama, to, uh, to Texas and Georgia. Mm-hmm. As Alabama has picked up a different quarterback. So, um, you know, I, I think that's a big deal. Um, I, I, I agree. I got a question for you on this whole thing. Okay, the way things are going and NIL, it takes it's also going to take a lot of power away from these coaches. Could you see NIL changing? Where we just saw in basketball, Jay Wright retired, and I think that a portion of that is he's a you know sixty year old coach who's won the title twice and thinking. I don't want to have to deal with paying these players. I don't want to have to deal with those problems. Could you see coaches that decide they've built their legacy is time to go? I mean, Yes. I'll give, exa- give you two examples. In football, Nick Saban. Right. In basketball, here's the question. Bill Self.
0: So yes, but I'll say this though. Here's my counterpoint on all that is with the way technology is, and the money essentially where you just buy players now, couldn't I argue that it's easier than it's ever been? If you have the resources, it it shouldn't be that difficult. I mean, really, if you, it it all comes down to resources. If you have the resources, then I think you have to put in less work than you ever had before when it comes to recruiting, if you have said resources.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I look at those two in particular. And I think that they don't have the resources in the collective that other schools do. Right. I mean, Alabama has money. I mean, look what they've done with their program. But it's been a lot easier for Nick Saban to recruit when he said, hey, look at all the guys I put in the NFL. Half Mm -hmm. my roster is going to the NFL. Right. You know, Bill Self can say, hey, man, we we win national championships here. Guys go to the NBA. You know, Allen Fieldhouse is Alan Fieldhouse. But if the money's all the same, the money's all green, you know, what's to stop a kid from, why would the kid be pulled to one of those anymore? Right. You know, that's the the issue, I think. And so I wonder if some of those, the Jay Wright thing is what really made me think about it. And then when the Nick Saban um, argument happened with Jimbo Fisher, I thought, yeah, he's trying to play the game but I don't think that's a game he wants to play. I don't see why, like in Saban's case, especially, I just use self as an example, but I think more so in Nick Saban's case, Nick Saban is 70 years old. What else does he have left to prove in his legacy? He's already the greatest college football coach of all time. There mm-hmm. is no argument there. Right. I mean, but, you know, that
0: he, that competitive drive gets to some guys. I mean, like, Tom Brady, when he announced he was coming back, he said he
1: still had something to prove. I'm like, what? Yeah, what are you talking about? Yeah. No, no, you don't. I mean Tom. I mean Tom Brady didn't like being at home with the wife and the kids all the time.
0: But I mean, they think they have yeah. something to prove, even yeah. if they don't. You know, yeah, I
1: so. mean, I think 70 years old. What are you gonna? What do you have left to prove at 70? You've won what six national championships? Yeah. In Nick Saban's case, he is the goat. He is the greatest. There is nobody in his league. Yeah. There's not even an argument for it. Right, right. And I just don't see – I mean, it's changing in a way that you know he's not going to be comfortable with.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's
1: already bitching about it. Right. If he's already saying things, it, it made me to believe. I made the prediction on my podcast last week that 2022 will be Nick Saban's last year in Alabama. That would be something. And, and I went back and I started thinking about other coaches. And I said, okay, well, who else – I mean – there's the Lincoln Rileys of the world. We see Brian Kelly now has moved from Notre Dame to LSU. Jimbo Fisher took the money and went to AM. I can see those guys being okay with playing in the, in the NIL rules. I don't see any of those issues. Now we don't see any of the other great, great coaches left. Right. And really, the last great coach at any level I could think of is Bill South. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, Bo,
0: we got to move on. Our uh, final yeah. segment before we uh, wrap up today's show, our uh, Tom Fullery story of the week. And uh, we do this when we have you fill in from Tom with uh, Tom Fullery from time to time, a uh, segment that we like to bring back every once in a while, and that is uh, Coach Bo's advice. And where listeners send us emails, and we let Bo react in real time. He has not seen these, I promise you, and so the first words out of his mouth are going to be right, uh, instant reaction to this in real time. So you'll get to see firsthand. As the elder statesman of this show, as our, uh, you know, our, our, our senior citizen of the Jones reports, we, go, we turn to Bo when we need advice, when we need help around here. And so, Bo, uh, I hope you're ready. The floor is about to be yours.
1: I'm glad that I have old man strength, but I'm not a Social Security, okay? Like that's team. Uh, let's hit it let's do it
0: all right so our first email uh the subject line reads my dad keeps gloating and bragging about me on facebook and instagram it's really embarrassing good day guys my name is tevin and i'm 20 years old and a big fan of the jones report appreciate that tevin so I'm sure I'm emailing you this topic because I'm sure there are other young adults going through what I've been going through for the last few years. And that's parents who embarrass you on social media because they are constantly bragging about your accomplishments. In my dad's case, they're not even big accomplishments. He always posts pictures of me saying things like my son Tevin got a job as a lifeguard. He's he's always been a lifesaver. Really, I just wanted to have a fun summer job. Then he tags me and my friends, which they just laugh about. I've asked him to tone it down, but he says, you're my only son and I'm proud of you. So I can't yell at him after he says that I just have to take him. I'm just happy social media wasn't really around when I was a baby because there would have been a lot of naked baby pictures of me online somewhere. Any other teens or children of overbearing parents out there having the same problem with their parents signed Tevin. Bo, you are a uh, father of uh, about a 19 or 20 year old. Uh,
1: your thoughts on this situation. Alright, so Tevin needs to grow up a little bit. Look, <laughs> as your parent, as a parent, well, you're, you're, you're always proud of your kid even when they do something small. Because you never know when sometimes they surprise you with doing something small that maybe they didn't think you could accomplish. Or, <laughs> oh, pardon me, um, they're just proud of who you are. It, it shows them that you know they take pride in who what they've done as a parent. Um you know I'm a father. I got a 19 almost 20 year old son. I'm very proud of him. And I have been the guy who has bloated about my son before. So um you know I I actually I like to say that my son could run for mayor here in Lawrence. He knows more he knows he knows everybody. They Nobody nowhere I can't go and everyone's hey it's B Money's dad. This kind of is what it is. Yes and your son's a great him. kid. Yeah. Yeah and, and so but I think I've embarrassed him before. I don't think it's intentional. I've never done it intentionally. Like there are dads who, my dad, when I was young, would wait till my friends were around and would say things to embarrass me intentionally. You know, kind of ribbing me. Right. But, you know, it sounds like dad's proud. Tevin, grow up. You'll have kids one day. You'll understand.
0: That. Here's what I would say, Bo. This is a word to the wise. This is a, A thing you should do anyway, besides just your family, but other people. This, I think this will solve everything right here. I have the perfect solution. Um, There is a feature on Facebook and Instagram that lets you approve if you've been tagged. And if you want that on your timeline or your feed on Instagram, whatever it may be. So... All you have to do is turn on that feature. And then if there's stuff that you like that your parents have posted about you, then go ahead and approve it, put it on your timeline. If it's too much, not what you like, just hide it. It's still out there for your parents to post, but it doesn't have to be on your public profiles. And maybe they posted a blurry photo or maybe you didn't look too good in, in the picture or something like that. Then you can filter it out yourself and your parents never know, I highly doubt they're going to go check and see if it's on your profile, anything like that. Um, I think that's the easiest solution.
1: It is a great solution. I was not aware that was there. You know, I, I've, I get tagged by friends and stuff and everything, so I got to go and remove the tag or something like that. If it's Maybe something I don't agree with, you know, those kind of things. But um, yeah, I, I get it. And I, I, I understand where the kid's coming from. But in the end, I mean, if you, if, how much, you're not going to get in trouble. If it's embarrassing, most people know that their parents are embarrassed. Right. Your peers ought to all know that because their parents are embarrassing to them, too.
0: Yes. All right. Here's another email. uh The subject line reads, I tracked my husband's phone to find he was in his car, just avoiding coming home. Uh-huh. Hey, guys. Hope you all had a safe and healthy weekend. My name is Jillian, and I'm emailing you because I discovered my husband is lying to me about where he's going every day for an hour, and I don't know what to do. Every day around 3 p.m., my husband leaves the house to go get some supplies as he calls it for the house. We have three kids, and things can get hectic and stressful because most people were not going to many places. Well, I tracked his phone a few days ago and found that he's going to a parking lot of the school around our block and taking a nap in his car for most of the hour or two he is gone. I actually drove by and watched him do it. When I confronted him about it, he said he was just trying to get away from all the stress to relax. Well, what about me? Do I get to leave for an hour to take a nap in a random parking lot? We haven't really talked since that conversation. What should I do? Should I tell him we'll take turns leaving for alone time or just tell him to stop taking naps around the corner, sign Jillian? Bo, your thoughts.
1: What, what, what is this lady's name? Jillian. Jillian, you're in the wrong here. <laughs> Let me explain some shit here, all right? Not all men want to be with their wives 24 hours a day. I love my wife. I've been married 23 years. We have a really healthy relationship because we don't spend a shitload of time together. If your husband needs to get away for an hour or two, it's because of you, plain and simple. It has nothing to do with taking a nap. You know why he doesn't want to take a nap when you're there? Because you're being a judgmental bitch. That's why. You don't <laughs> even have to say it. He sees it with the look on your face that look like, well, I'm not doing this. You know what? He knows you're not doing this, but he doesn't want to fucking hear it anymore. So listen, leave the man alone. Quit tracking his he's not sleeping with anybody he's taking a nap because you're a bitch so leave him alone or go away it's a real simple solution <laughs> you're the problem quit being the problem <laughs> there <laughs> boundaries are good in a relationship yes everyone
0: needs their space
1: Every look is the number one thing I would tell people when you are in a relationship have a boundaries have some th- respectful of your spouse if you're a man the shit you want to do as a man if you're a woman there's things you're going to do as a woman keep that shit separate the other tip for all men out there separate checking accounts Ooh. oh oh have i never told you that
0: no have you this have this. not
1: i'm going to share this one this is free financial advice okay every couple should have four accounts okay Okay, you have one, you agree, it doesn't matter who makes more money. You have an agreement. Every both parties put in money every month. Now, if one person makes more than the other, they can put in more, but as long as both sides agree, you do it every month. That pays your bills. It pays your electrical bill, the, the the mortgage, the car payments, that sort of stuff. Okay. You got a second account. You both agree to put in a second amount of money in that. That is a savings account. That is for the shit that happens to the house. Your water heater blows, or you're saving money to go on a trip to Europe. Whatever it might be, you know a predetermined amount you agree to put in per month. If she's putting in 500 and you're putting in 250, but you both agree, that's fine. Same thing goes if the man's putting it in more. It doesn't matter. Then you have separate accounts. Men get this account at a separate bank. This is the money you don't want your wife to know about. She also, ladies, you need to have your money that men don't know about. Because men will freak out when we find out how much money you spend getting your toes and your your finger and your nails done. Okay? But you're going to freak out when you see how much money we spend when we go to the golf course. So why have these problems? If you don't have any money in that account, you can't go to the golf course you don't have any money in the account, you can't get your, tail, your, your your nails and your toes done. Men, if you want to buy your wife flowers, don't get it from your joint account. You know, you yeah, you're the hero when you send flowers for her birthday or your anniversary or Valentine's Day to her office. She looks great for a few minutes. and That's wonderful. But you know what happens? It's a no-win situation when she gets home if you do it from a joint account. Because one... She's going to see you spent too much money. She's going to go, I really appreciate it, but you shouldn't have spent that much money. Because it's your, both of you's money. Or two, you got a really, really great deal because guys, we know we're searching for deals. And she goes, you are a cheap son of a bitch. (laughs) You don't want them to know. It's just, it's not hiding. It's not being... Upfront or honest, it's just alleviating the stress around their relationship. People fight it. when you're married, Tyler. Take this down. Okay. You know what? Ninety percent of your fights are about two things in a marriage. You know what those two things are?
0: Money and kids money and sex. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: Most parents agree on most shit with kids. I'm a financial advisor. I see that shit all the time. But what I will tell you is that the two things, and most of it, it's money. You don't want your wife knowing how much you spend on whatever your hobby is. You don't want to know how much she spends on her shit. You don't want to know how much makeup is. You don't want to know how much that stuff that she has to put on her legs at the end of the night, the moisturizers and all. You don't want to know any of that, guys, because you'll be sitting there going, shit, for this cost, I could have got a new refrigerator. Right. Separate accounts. Have some shit you save together. Pay your bills together. Those things on the side.
0: I love it. I learned a lot from this. Bravo, Bo. I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way. Uh, that was a very insightful segment uh, to end today's show. That was a lot more than I expected, and it was all free. Right? I'm, glad I, can
1: be, I'm glad I can help. Hey, if you have other questions, oagks.com. <laughs> hit the contact us. Send me a message. I'll be glad to have a conversation with you.
0: OAGCats.com, Group.com. We got to go. Big thanks to Bo for hanging out with us for the entirety of today's show. Jordan Wolf from MLB.com for stopping by as well. And uh, uh, Tom will be back here next week. So uh, hopefully he gets well and gets back here. And uh, we're off to Chicago this weekend for the Summer of Jones. Looking forward to being out there and having a good time. As always, you can follow me on social media, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, Facebook, Tyler Jones Live, Instagram as well, Tyler Jones Live. And uh, you can also find me, uh, find the show, uh, Studio Soapbox on Facebook, uh, Studio Underscore Soapbox on Twitter. And Jones underscore report on Instagram. Bo, been a pleasure. Thanks for hanging out today for a little longer than normal. And uh, we'll hear from you again next week. All right. Thanks a lot, bud. Appreciate it. That's Brian O'Connor. I'm Tyler Jones. For Jordan Wolfe, our entire crew, saying so long. This has been another edition of the Jones. Report. See you next week.